0: And welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the show where you listen to a bunch of really pretty people drink alcohol and talk about a bunch of movies, go off on tangents, and steadily get less and less smart as the time goes on. I'm your host, Mike Burge. I host this podcast. It's me. I'm the only one. And <laughs> today uh, is another really special episode of Overdrinkers. They're all special. But uh, this is a, a running series that we have uh, called, uh, is, uh, we, we essentially just like strong women in film. Uh, we did an episode uh, on just uh, strong women in film uh, heroines. And um, we did one on uh, female directors. And now we're here for our third one where we are going to be uh, covering uh, four more movies that all kind of share one similar thing that we all want to talk about before we move on from that. Let's see... Who we've got with us today, because you, listener, can't see <laughs> us. So I'm Mike Burge, and today uh, I am joined by strong women in film podcast returnee...
1: Stamper!
0: There she is! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Who, uh, um Past episodes, you brought up, uh, you wanted to do Lilu from The Fifth Element. From
1: The Fifth Element.
0: And did you pick...
1: Baba Duke. You'd pick
0: Baba Duke, yep. Jennifer Kent. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm also joined by the other returning Strong Women in Film guest mm-hmm.
2: Bernadette Gorman White.
0: And you did uh, Beatrix Kiddo from The Kill Bill. Correct. And then which one did you pick for the directors?
2: I picked Sophia Coppola, and we talked about Marie Antoinette.
0: I thought I picked that one. <laughs> oh, no! one I? Oh, no! I picked Point Break. That's yeah. right. Oh, okay. yeah, that... I picked Point Break, <clears throat> Catherine Bigelow. And for the other one, I picked uh, Sarah Connor from the first Terminator. Correct. Specifically, Correct. the first Terminator. Uh, and we have a fourth member of this uh, quad, quad
1: quadruped
0: quadruped quadruped Quart- quartet.
1: Quart- quartet. quartet 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 sounds- quartet. Yes, yes. I was going
0: to call it four way, but that's, that's that's not no, what's not yet. No, 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 no. He we use <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we, who, who are you?
3: My name is Rhea Banerjee.
0: Who is also a returning guest to Overdrinkers, and you've been on some other uh, episodes, other TV, other TV shows, other sh- podcast shows that we have, like <laughs>
3: about TV,
0: and right, stuff like exactly. that. We haven't gotten you on a Hot Take yet, have we? No, not yet. The Mamma Mia Overdrinkers was the closest we came to that, but right. we didn't immediately talk about it.
3: No, we had a, a few days to gather our thoughts.
0: Right, and you uh, are not a returning Strong Women in Film podcast guest, so no. you don't have anything.
3: No, but I am the one who did the James Bond podcast with you, and we got shit-faced.
0: Shit-faced. It goes down in history as the drunkest one, which is really hard because I blacked out on the Batman and Robin one that we did. That wasn't an overdrinkers. That was a batarang. I do not remember half of that.
2: So So you're saying those choices came back to you?
0: Yeah, I listen to it. I can't pull myself to listen. I just start. I'll start talking, and then it just goes away, and you can actually hear the. law escape me <laughs> as i'm saying so hopefully i'll try and keep my shit together with this uh as always on strong women in film uh podcast we are partaking of the themed beverage of choice which is bloody mary's Woo. you know so everybody cheers to you on cheers. that yum. Yum,
1: yum, yum.
0: yes uh and today we are talking about uh strong women in film under the category of romance movies.
4: Correct.
0: Which kind of goes into different genres, you know, romantic comedies, love stories, classics, stuff like that kind of thing. Very loose and goosey. Uh, once we name what they are, I think everybody will kind of understand what's actually connecting all of these things. Um, and so, like, we'll, we'll, we'll list them off real quick. Uh, Stamper, you picked...
1: Ever After, starring Drew Barrymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And... I picked uh, When Harry Met Sally, starring Meg Ryan. And uh, Rhea, you I, picked... I
3: picked Dirty Dancing, starring Jennifer Grey.
0: And Bernadette, your choice was...
2: Clueless, starring Alicia Silverstone.
0: So these are the four movies that we're going to kind of go over. We're going to do them in little chunks here and there. I'm sure we'll kind of come back to some of them as we start discussing others. But for the most part, we're going to try and keep them in nice chunks discussing each movie individually and uh, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. Uh, There's going to be spoilers pretty much right up front for all of these movies. Mm, These movies are classics.
3: Uh, I mean... Mm, If you haven't seen them by now, that's your fault.
0: Right. Like, like tentatively, I would even say that the first movie that we're going to discuss ever after, I would say, is probably the least known of these four. But Mm. that's because the other three are like cult yeah stone cold cult classics ever after is one it's like if you grew up in that time Mm -hmm. and it happened to you it (laughs) happened
2: to you in a major way i will say up front this podcast prompted me to watch ever after for the first time i had not seen it nice up until now
1: so (laughs) thank you i'll never get my first time back (laughs) back.
0: (laughs) i guess we can kind of go along that as we go around the table um but just like up front, did that happen to anybody else for any of these movies Mm-mm. here? I'd seen all these movies before because I'm a monster.
3: <laughs> I hadn't seen Ever After in a long, long time. I did see it in the theater mm-hmm. when it came out. I think I must have seen it me another too. time after that. Yeah. But um, but the other three are definitely uh, multiple repeat watches for yes. me. But totally. it was cool to revisit Ever After. It's not a movie that I, I think about that often. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is a great movie that I just don't consider. Mm. so Remarkably remembered a lot of
0: it. You're welcome. Perfect. Perfect segue (laughs) into it. Uh, Stamper, the first Mm -hmm. movie we're going to talk about is going to be Ever After, starring actual teen heartthrob Jude Barrymore. (laughs)
4: Yeah, so true.
0: So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Ever After, what it is, why it's important to you, why you picked it, and we'll start uh, drinking and talking about it. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Ever After, it's a Cinderella story, but it's more of a realistic take on um the the lore of it all i mean it kind of takes out the magical qualities that you might find in you know disney's version etc etc magic pumpkins this is about a woman or a girl rather who's becoming a woman who has lived a very hard life after losing her father who is discovering herself and almost by proxy falls in love what I find to be the true um, heart of the movie is that she is discovering who she is before she allows anyone else in. This movie to me is super nostalgic. It was a sick day movie. It was a part of my formative years. I think I watched it maybe when I was 10 or younger, potentially. I actually forget when the year is on it. But Oh, this I- is uh,
0: 1998?
1: Okay. All right. I
0: believe I think it was right before it's like ninety-eight, ninety-seven. I can I actually have it on. So right like was ninety-eight. Nine. I'm a monster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like eight or nine at this time, and it really played a major role in into who I am now, I think, to be perfectly honest. I do relay back to her strength in the face of um potential um, imprisonment, enslavement to a degree towards the end of the movie where she actually rescues herself. That's the best Mm -hmm. goddamn Mm -hmm. thing. (laughs) I
0: I always forget when watching that, not to like, just real briefly on that, I I always forget that this movie has a happy ending. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And like watching it, like Rhea, I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I was like, is this about... Does she die at the end of this? What? Like, what I couldn't remember. That? And I'm like, why would I? It was like 3.30 in the morning. It does
3: go pretty dark. Yeah. It gets I mean, really,
0: sure. dark, it's really dark. Sure. dark. Like
3: for a fairy tale that everybody knows, you know, everybody knows like the Disney version or whatever. Yeah. And you're expecting, light, like you said, magic pumpkins and right. stuff like that. exactly. And then you watch this version of it and you're like, whoa, this is like... This is heavy. This yeah. is a mm-hmm. really, really heavy story.
0: Yeah, like the mm-hmm. guy who plays He's... Monsieur Le Pure or whatever. Monsieur. <laughs> who, who, who's uh, Riff riffraff, yeah. from uh, Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror Picture Show. Oh my right. right. God. Yeah.
2: It's Richard uh. O'Brien.
0: <laughs> and I was yeah. trying to remember, I was like, what do I know him from besides Rocky Horror Picture Show? vile creature. <laughs> I was like, there's something <laughs> seminal in this when he first shows up in the market. I was like, there's a seminal performance. I was like, is he in Buffy for a couple episodes or something? It's usually that when I can't play something <laughs> Buddy. And it was no, it's ever after in that last scene where he's just like <laughs> sniveling. Oh dear, I do how I do wish you would you would work along with me. I had a horse like you. Would. <laughs> it's like a yeah. really so, fucked up scene, yeah. 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 yeah, and a really great scene, like uh, right. yeah, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my god, incredible! I mean, lending itself to the fact that it is a darker take on the fairy tale itself. The opening um, is the Grimm brothers arriving at the castle. Mm-hmm. And hearing the story of this woman's, this older woman's great-great-grandmother, Danielle Debabarak. Mm-hmm. And then it goes right into how this very young child, she was kind of a ruffigan. Her father would go for um, lengths of time traveling for work. And on his last um, visit to the house, he brings a wife and two children. And he s- promises Danielle this wonderful life. Here's a new mother. Here are two sisters. We're going to live happily ever after. And then the father drops dead. (laughs) And the girl's life has changed forever. Um, But I think for the better, to be perfectly honest, the way that the two girls, the sisters, well, especially the one, um, the way she grows up, Marguerite. Mm -hmm. Um, Just mm -hmm. horrific. Just this horrible, horrible young girl who wants nothing but um, the crown and ultimate wealth. And that's because of her mother's prodding and poking and grooming mm-hmm. all the while,
0: which we get a little bit of an inkling into like the wicked stepmother psyche, where it's mm-hmm. like Angelica Houston, her character is like, you get a little bit of an understanding why she's a wicked stepmother. She's not just like a
3: completely empty. villain, yeah. And it's right, completely right. relatable too. Yeah. like, you, you see empathize. like, Oh, yeah. she had
0: a very estranged relationship with her mother as well. And taking into account, like, Drew Barrymore's character, Danielle, she lost her uh, father, but uh, Angelica Houston's character is constantly jealous of the fact that, you know, the, when the father died, he turned to Danielle and said, I love you. and right. mm. And then she lost him and she's got that great line where she says, where Danielle asks her, uh, did you ever, did you really love my father? And she's like, I barely knew him, but she's really sad and you yes. can tell that even though it was, he was a baron and this could lead to wealth and fortune, Mm -hmm. that she was in some way genuinely curious or interested in this man that she barely knew and that he was just taken away. Because it was
3: the promise of a family. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very strong motivator.
0: She mentions that multiple times. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: like, you know, this this, this was supposed to make up for the lack that she had in her background. And so, of course, that's going to affect her. Even if she didn't know him that well, or whatever. There was there was a promise and a potential, and it got completely dashed. And you know, so that's I think it's that's what makes uh, you know. I'm not I stories like this if the villain is just completely like I'm bad because there has to be a bad person in this movie. It's right. kind of like eh.
0: It's always better to right. get you like know. weighty, right. yeah. And like Stamper said, like it's a dark it's a darker tale than we're used to and it's kind mm-hmm. of like the original dark gritty reboot mm-hmm. of like a classic story right you mm-hmm. know it's right. like this is like the dark night of 1998 <laughs> <laughs> um Bernadette you, what, did, what did you have to say about uh
2: for a first timer yeah. Right, yeah that's right I will say that I think it would have spoken more to me if I had seen it as a child mm. I did watch it feeling like this is a little dated it does kind of speak to the time it was made which isn't a negative by any means. I think the accents were a little... (laughs) Troublesome
4: oh. <laughs> from time to time. That's
2: a right, fair
1: play. yeah. Drew Barrymore, yeah, but, for uh, sure. She did her best.
2: Yeah, but, <laughs> like,
0: why is Drew Barrymore the only one with an accent? I know. Yeah. like nobody else is it. really doing anything. Yeah.
3: No, no. But I, there's something very endearing about that's her not true. I'm making though. a joke, but yeah, everybody <laughs> it's very very endearing. I'm like, is, I don't know what yeah. you're doing, but it's cute. <laughs> but she didn't but you're trying. To do yeah. that. I think she's.
0: I think. I think she's really good. I yeah. think that it's uh, cheesy and very easy to go like. But I think it works with the story. Right. Drew
3: Barrymore is just such a charming, she just has such a charming screen presence. And, you know, even in her real, you know, you see her interviewed anywhere, she just is a very, very genuine, effusive sort of personality. And that absolutely carries through and makes sense for this character, so... Right. I'll forgive the accent because I'm just like, oh, this is sweet. You're mm-hmm. a sweet person.
0: I mean, you deserve better. I, I you think know? Who, drew Bar- <laughs> who Drew Barrymore is in like the the public conscience, like whether it was 1998 mm-hmm. or it's 2018, which again, yeah, 20 year anniversary. 20 years? Oh, oh my God!
4: God. Yeah,
2: we do that
0: all the time. <laughs> don't realize that we did it. Um, I, I think that it really works really well with this story where it's like it's a fictional character mm-hmm. yeah. that we are all familiar with. Everybody knows Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a an actress portraying a different version of this character that at that point in 1998 we were all very well aware of. Like this was hot off the wedding singer.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. That's, that's, not, right yeah. that's
0: not even including, you know, um, the fact that everybody saw E.T. three times. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and knows mm-hmm. who Drew Barrymore is at that point because she's mm-hmm. such like a public icon. Right. So I think those two mixes and the fact that she's actually a very charismatic actress and mm-hmm. performer and that she can steal all of these scenes uh, is pretty insane. That, that that's I like, we don't really like, have anybody like that right, right now. Yeah. And the
3: movie would not, I mean, she, she obviously, I mean, she's the main character, but she carries the film. You couldn't, I cannot envision oh. this movie with anybody else in the role. No,
1: I agree. Yeah.
2: I'll backpedal just a bit. I had seen the scene where they were in the lake. And Da Vinci comes uh, to her yes. right, with the boat shoes. Looks like, And rain. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. I love their mixing of things that are recognizable to viewers that are outside the realm of fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. It provides a sense of realism to the film. But I do love that they included so many also strong male characters. But as you said earlier, uh, Danielle rescues herself mm-hmm. time and time again. She and even
1: rescues the prince. She
2: does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the only times that maybe she needed some extra help when she was locked in the room before the, the wedding ceremony mm-hmm. uh, or before the ball, I should say, the mask.
1: Right.
2: Uh, it was through her good natured kindness to everyone that people wanted to come and help that her. That people wanted to help, right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And dropped everything. Absolutely, Da Absolute, Vinci yeah. dr- left his own ball mm-hmm. to come save her. To rescue her. One him. of the
0: greatest lines in all of movie history. Oh, gosh. Or a personal favorite to me. Like, I, I remember, I was like, there's a line in this movie that really gets me every time. And it's the, uh, it's from Da Vinci when he, like, just takes the hinges out of the mm-hmm. door. And they're like, that was genius. <laughs> and he's like, ah, yes, I will forever be remembered as the man who opened the door. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody wrote that for an actor to play Leonardo Da Vinci <laughs> in, in 1998.
2: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I so mean, many iconic fashion moments, too, oh, from this totally. film. The wings. Yeah,
1: the wings. I actually had a friend who recreated that entire look to wear to the Renaissance Fair. Head to toe precise. And I've never been more jealous
0: in my,
4: my entire end.
1: life.
0: That's the Ren fair that. is right now, right? Yes. You're going this weekend. I'm
1: going this weekend. weekend.
0: <laughs> I was supposed to go on Sunday with uh, Jack and Robbie. Jack's um, fiance, Eleanor, is in town. Uh, For a while now, because she's she's moving over here, Mm -hmm. so she's getting acclimated. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were supposed to go, and I just couldn't go because I've just been so busy. Lately with everything, my life is not well. I'm doing great. I'm tired. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm very tired. And I wasn't able to go. So I think I might... I'm on my staycation right now, though, as ah. I said. So I think I might try and make it out there this weekend. Are you going on Saturday?
1: I'm going on Saturday on the, the 29th.
0: Can I third wheel it? Please. Well, I guess fourth wheel it? You've got like two set friends that you You're always gonna be, go with.
1: Well. are my one good friend won't be able to come, so it's gonna be Corey Ooh. and I, and then actually some other people from Quinn's. were like, we're gonna to come too.
0: Ooh, that so, sounds good. That yeah. does sound fun. Quinn's yeah. where we work,
1: but not uh, employees, just people who come.
4: Oh, <laughs> barflies! Bar
1: yeah, barflies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chatting about how we're gonna live it up and you know go hazing through Sterling Forest. Ever please after, please come.
0: Ever after is definitely a movie to watch. Like right if you want to get excited about a, a, a Ren fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: true. I constantly live for the Ren fair. <laughs> I mean, in this movie, too, in terms of uh, personal aesthetics, oh, my God, for my entire life, it's been kind of revolving around that movie and also Legend. So those two movies and Labyrinth as well, those mm-hmm. movies really um, played such a major role in my before, you know, the pre-teens even. Or during the preteens, actually. Um, so I think anyone who knows me or even just follows my social media can see that I like <laughs> adhere to that aesthetic kind of in everyday life. Those are both right. movies
0: with really strong uh, female leads as well. Mm. I mean, leads, I mean, yeah, legends, like, legends, sure. They're equals in that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, and I like that legend kind of messes around with the idea of like a, a woman makes a mistake. And then everybody suffers for it and she suffers for it, but it like really messes her up mm. where she doesn't even know what she's doing anymore or what she wants to be. And then it's like Labyrinth is like the same idea. It's like she, she has agency throughout the entire thing, even when everything else in and the cooperate. world is like mm-hmm. trying to take it away from her. She sure. kind of never loses it until she willingly gives it up. And then she realizes, no, 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 that's not what I want to do. Right. So that's like getting back to like Danielle in this movie like Mm -hmm. what what do you guys think is like her like what how would you phrase what makes her such like a special character beyond like that she is never the damsel in distress that she constantly has her agency like what about the story and what she does in this is something that kind of stands out
1: Mm. i mean her intellect for sure every time her father would come home from traveling he would bring her a book and also just where she was placed in life After her father's death, she would have been a a very well-respected addition to the community had her father not passed. And her then stepmother and only mother figure ever um, kind of just casts her to the side. She's then called Cinder Soot by her one evil stepsister.
0: Mm-hmm. Because she reads books by the fireplace at right. night.
1: And she hangs out with the animals. And she's she's re- truly a, a woman of the earth, really. Um, she can kind of fall in line with any class. But she chooses to remain with the, the actual people, the people. Right. Um, so I think that is something that makes her such a strong person throughout the entire movie. But another thing that I consider to be a potential weakness on her part that she probably should have cast to the side sooner for her own sake was her loyalty to her stepmother, Mm -hmm. um, because that was an extraordinarily toxic Relationship throughout the entirety of it until the end.
0: And I think she really is, I think they drive it home, but the only reason that she really even hangs around is because of all the other servants that are her family. Right, right. Because when she gets, um, when she finally gets bought by Pepe Le Pew, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he comments like he's only had her for like two days and she's already tried to escape multiple times by running away right. and now he's got her in shackles. So I think it's led to see like it's she's there to try and take care of this what servants are left of her right, family right. because she knows that the stepmother will just get rid of them if not worse if she's not around to help and and right. take the brunt of the stepmother's like anger and forcefulness. Right. I think mm-hmm. too
1: that's out of love um whether she wants to admit it on or not from Danielle towards her stepmother. She does love her.
0: The ending is completely indicative of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. where right. she is given every opportunity to be able to have her stepmother Killed, Mm -hmm. sent to the Americas, extremely punished, and she ends up saying, "Like she's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak up, and 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 I'm gonna be treat her the way that she has treated me, please, like, and that's it, like, in a nice way." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Going back to what you said about the servants, it's super amazing that from eight years old, when her father passes away, that she does take this care of the servants Mm -hmm. in her house, who were her essentially surrogate aunts and uncles. Mm Or even in the absence of her father, Maurice, the indentured servant who gets sold at the beginning of the film.
0: Who's the blind guy from Robin Hood, Princess Leaves. yeah. Which freaked me out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But she takes it upon herself to save her, essentially, father in the stead of her deceased father. Mm -hmm. And the fact that even from eight years old on, she assumes that responsibility for herself to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, that just... Speaks to her strength as an eight year old right. little girl.
3: I mean, yeah, no, to jump off of that, too, it's this this is the aspect of her that people are drawn to. You know, mm-hmm. when you have somebody who is, you know, a naturally very, you know, earthy of the people, cares about the people, cares about everybody, wants to take care of those around her. And that is what that is what makes other people compelled to step in to help her mm-hmm. when the time comes. So, you know, in a, in a way, you know, not to get too like weird in pop psychology or whatever, there's like massive codependency issues going sure. on there. Um but it's codependency, but it's in a way that makes you 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 root for her, you don't. It doesn't feel pathological. You're just kind of like this is a really really good, giving, kind-hearted person. And that's that is that is her strength. She's not, you know, she's not like bitchy, sassy, whatever. Like her,
0: when her she has str- every right to be, when she has every right, of right. to be right. How her she's her strength
3: is just her goodness. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I mean that's like probably the the overall right theme or of Cinderella. The story right. of Cinderella mm-hmm. is just like you know, it doesn't matter how you get treated or how you think you're allowed to act because of how people treat you. Right. if you just are a nice person and a good person, good things will happen to you. That's the general, I think, idea of the fairy tale. Right. Mm
4: -hmm. And,
0: uh, you know, I'd like some talking mice in this. (laughs) (laughs) I do like all the little tiny things that they do in the movie to, like, kind of wink at it, like, getting locked in the cupboard and, oh, they're dressing up like, people are dressing up like animals at the ball instead of Mm -hmm. people getting turned into animals or animals being turned into different animals kind of Mm -hmm. things. Little winks. And I think there's, like, lines, like, What's that line Angelica Houston definitely needed to do a second take on at the end where she's like, well, well, well. Stamper, you have to know this. When, when, when uh, she appears. When Danielle appears. Oh, she the, goes, what
1: have we here? Well, well, mm. well,
0: what have we here? It just doesn't, doesn't really make sense for like the moment. Mm-hmm. Is that from the Disney Cinderella? Like the st- I don't think so. I don't says think so. I don't think she so. says, well, 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 what have we here? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're looking <laughs> right at it. You can clearly tell and like she's fucked like she shouldn't say that I don't know she should be like oh shit but (laughs) I digress to that
1: Uh, I'll (laughs) say
2: one last thing about this character as well I really liked that it wasn't love at first sight Mm -hmm. yeah that as a young woman watching this film I think it's really important that it took Danielle a while to realize that she did have feelings Mm -hmm. for the prince Mm -hmm. and that she at first saw him for what he was and it was arrogant yep. and mm-hmm. bossy and privileged. And she realized, well, I, I see good in him, too. And I think I'd like to maybe explore this and maybe bring out that goodness in him. And I can do it because I'm a magnifying glass for Oh, that's a goodness. really good way of putting it. Mm. Yeah. And so I really liked that it took her a while, even though the Well, she's also was...
0: really nervous that like right. if, if he finds out- Which Mm. she was right. Oh God! Right, because as soon as he finds out, he's He's just like, 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 oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think he went back. He, you know, it was like one step forward, two steps back in that scene Mm -hmm. where he realizes, oh, I treated her horribly. And Da Vinci kind of pokes him, and he said, "Well, you don't deserve her." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh man, you're right. Mm -hmm. I've been living under this veil." Now I want to do good. And then we have one of the
0: saddest and funniest scenes like ever with the the (laughs) wedding where he's about to marry. (laughs) that That like. Oh,
4: yeah. And
0: she's just like, you can't tell if she's crying or like like, if she's crying, like out of like excitedness or sadness. You can't (laughs) tell what's going on. And then you start seeing the eye contact between Mm -hmm. like this, like, dude. Right, it's and then he just starts laugh. The prince just starts laughing, right? Which is also fun too. In this, uh, t- uh, Toby, Toby Jones,
3: Toby Jones, plays the page,
0: like he's a royal mm. page. This guy's like an amazing actor, and he just plays like the dude that like Angelica Houston is just like
2: working over blue
0: balling oh to like no. try and like, get up. And also, um, uh, Melanie Linsky she's
2: great. Is yeah.
0: Josephine? I don't the, believe it is James. the sister of Margaret. And the stepsister of um, Danielle, yes. the nice one, yeah. who was just Marjorie there for the food.
1: Joseph, Josephine, Jacqueline, Jacqueline, Jacqueline. Jacqueline,
3: Jacqueline.
0: Yes. There we go. She's <laughs> She's like <laughs> an ever after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I blanked for like ten <laughs> seconds. <though. laughs> you know, she's <laughs> she's, she's great. You?
0: <laughs> she's great in the like uh, the 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 subplot as what it is of her also falling in love with the prince's like guy who's in charge of the horses or something like best friend or best friend kind of thing like when they're both dressed as horses (laughs) and they start like doing the he's eating a carrot yeah like it's just it's just really good feel good
2: 1998 comedy it was a little
4: cringy but fine totally it's
0: cringy because it's cheesy but that's my slice of cheese i like Mm, cheese
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. um uh, did anybody else have anything else they wanted to say about Ever After before we move on I'm sure we can come back to it throughout it well, and stuff like that thank you for and... watching it I mean <laughs> thank
1: you for thank suggesting you for yeah. It. You're welcome uh,
0: yeah so let's uh, move on and we'll talk about the next movie we were going to do which uh, is my pick mm-hmm. um, I picked uh, When Harry Met Sally 1989 Romantic comedy that redefined so the rom-com coming up on the uh, 30th genre. anniversary oh. of that. Right? Yeah, it's, right mm-hmm. it's, it's almost right there. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. 30 years. Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> like you watch this movie and you see Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan in there and it's like They're Meg babies. Ryan hasn't even really been around for like the yeah, last 10 she's years. she's a
3: baby in that movie. Mm-hmm. She's so, so young. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I, I picked When Harry Met Sally uh, because it's one of my uh favorite favorite romantic movies Mm -hmm. i think that the ideas that they're talking about and the themes of it are like themes that like a lot of romantic comedies deal with but they deal with it in a very realistic and respectful way of respecting both uh harry and sally's character uh as opposed to like you know um gender norms and like stereotypes and stuff like that like both of them have these stereotypical characteristics of like though that's something a guy would say or oh that's something a girl would do but then they also are given the chance as characters to explain why they feel those way and Mm -hmm. it creates individuals out of that Mm -hmm. and specifically with uh like sally albright um and her last name kind of says it all is Mm -hmm. she when we first meet When we first meet both of them, they're fresh out of college. They go on a car trip, uh, 18-hour car trip from Chicago to New York. Um, And they have a conversation and they uh, separate. They end up bumping into each other again five years later at an airport. They share an airplane ride together and separate again. And then another five years later, they bump into – one another again in new york city and end up sparking up a friendship because they're both in like these kind of dark places and that friendship kind of grows along the idea of them challenging the idea that they have proposed beforehand which is uh men and women can't be friends because sex or the idea of sex will always get in the way Mm -hmm. and uh sally's outlook on that at the very beginning is very um very positive she's a very optimistic person however uh naive or lying to herself that she might be. I think in her younger years, she's a little bit more naive and she's trying to figure things out. She's very smart and not and very articulate. Like she's able to explain why mm-hmm. she thinks things, but she's not exactly able to explain why she thinks them, kind of. You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: She didn't have the life experience. Exactly. The beginning. Yeah. And it's What's like it's on?
0: made like Billy Crystal's Harry is like sexually experienced in the beginning and he's very blasé and laid back and he's kind of a fucking dick Mm -hmm. and she's just being very patient with him and it it becomes obvious that these two are like very polar opposites like harry's last name is burns Mm -hmm. her last (laughs) name is albright it's just like he has a very dark negative outlook on life and hers is very optimistic and as we eventually get to 10 years later where the brunt of the story takes place it's they both have been kind of jaded by different relationships that they've been in And they're able to just communicate with one another without any in the
3: middle a little bit, right?
0: Without any wanting to impress the other person, they can talk about sex and relationships and anything just freely. Uh, And I think it's a really good example of when you have two characters that we've learned who these characters are through things that they have said and things that they have done and things that they have said to one another when arguing that makes them very realistic. Mm -hmm. And so like the main reason that I picked it is because I think that Sally's character in particular, but also Harry's because they are kind of sharing this movie together. But for the sake of this podcast, Mm -hmm. Sally's character is amazing Mm -hmm. in this movie, all the way through like the three different forms that she has and all the way leading up to, you know, when the third act of the movie starts and everything kind of starts falling apart. Her response to that is maybe not something you would think that you would do as a person in a relationship or in a friendship but you get at that point why she would do it even if you disagree with it and i think that's a very good character development and very realistic cuz there's your friends do stuff mm-hmm. people that you're the closest with do stuff that like is stupid right. but you mm-hmm. still get why they would do it you're like oh well that's so that's so Sally she right. would do that kind right. of thing right
2: this is actually It's not the movie I chose, but this is my favorite movie of the four that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is my sick movie. Something (laughs) that I watch at least once a year. Mm. And we'll just put on in the background whenever I'm doing whatever. And just listen to these voices that I've grown up with listening to. And actually, when I met my uh, now husband, he had never seen it. Mm. And I said, all right, well, this New Year's Eve, we are watching this film. It's a
3: great New Year's Eve movie. It is.
2: (laughs) And... Yes, I agree with you. I think she, as a female protagonist in the movie and in rom-coms in general, she does speak to, listen, what you think as a man or as men in general doesn't have to be this way. And I'm going to re-educate you as to why your line of thinking is incorrect. And I'm going to better your life for it. And it's just great. I think Meg Ryan kills it in mm-hmm. this film mm-hmm. and actually as a sophomore in high school my band took a band trip and we went to dc and new york and the tour that we took on the bus and they drove us around all of these areas in new york city uh my most memorable one that no one else really paid attention to the bus driver says oh we're passing the diner, <laughs> <that> <laughs> the <laughs> diner scene from when harry met sally took place mm-hmm. And i was like what and that blew my mind
4: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah and that's what i took away from that trip and everyone else was like statue of liberty <laughs> control." and you me was, thinking, like, it was like that where <laughs> meg ryan faked an orgasm uh-huh. right right
0: <laughs> which you know like i'm sure that'll come up m- more as we're talking about <laughs> it but just so i make sure that i get this in there because i just learned it today that was not originally in the script for her to fake an orgasm meg ryan came up with the idea to oh. do it. They were just supposed to discuss it. Sure. She came up with the idea to do it. Rob Reiner, the director, was like, would you be comfortable doing that? And she was like, oh totally.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did it a couple times. <laughs> Billy Crystal came up with the line, I'll have what she's having. Right. And they were like, well, it wouldn't make sense coming out of Billy Crystal, so we need somebody in the scene uh, to yeah, say yeah. it. And Rob Reiner got his mother to be the to, extra, yeah. To, to uh, be uh, the uh, extra and yeah. to say it. That is just like And that is, without a doubt, the most memorable scene from the Just iconic.
3: Oh, yeah. Like, that is, to
0: this day, almost 30 years later, like, you say, I'll have what she's having. Everybody Everybody, knows what you're talking about, even if they haven't seen When Harry Met Sally. Right. Right. So, I really like the... the genesis of that scene and how it all kind of came together naturally. It wasn't written by Nora Ephron or or Rob Reiner. It was kind of just naturally came together from Meg Ryan, Billy Crystal, the writer, the director, and the director's mom. Right, right,
4: right. (laughs) Right.
0: Had to get that out there because Uh I think that's just like a really, that's a piece of trivia that I really like. Yeah, yeah.
4: And I
2: think all of these films, except for Clueless, start with narration at the beginning of the film Or not necessarily narration, but bookends Mm, to give you a context of what's taking place. Clueless doesn't do this, but the other three do. And I love that it takes place in all of these interviews of couples and saying what made it click in their relationship and what makes love love and i think that's very cool because each couple tells a different story mm-hmm. of what love meant during that time period. Mm-hmm. Right. So i think this movie's timeless because of that.
0: And they're sure, d- yeah. obviously going for that with having like the older couples right all being older couples talking about these different times that they fell in right. love mm-hmm. in different generations and then ending with Harry and Sally still them
3: Right. You know, like wow. you think,
0: oh, maybe they'll just like cut to some actors who are like... Who are like you know,
3: old Harry and Sally. <laughs> yeah, right. they're, wearing, they're wearing
0: like Google glasses and yeah. stuff like that. What, they, what, 19, <laughs> what 1989 thought the future was going to oh, look God. like.
3: Right, right.
1: For me, it was so interesting watching this movie just because the first time I had seen it, I was very young. Probably too young to be introduced to something with content regarding, you know, sexuality and men and women maintaining friendship Yada, yada. But um, in rewatching it, well, let me go back. When I watched it as a young girl, I saw them as these older people that I could not relate to. Oh, I know. Yeah. And then going back to it, because yeah. as we were just talking about the most memorable scene, I had seen that and that's all I associated with the movie and not everything else, like the major uh, moments talking about relationships and friendship and what that means without or devoid of sex um so i really appreciated being introduced to this or reintroduced rather to this movie after all this time where me as a 30 year old woman they're so young to me now that's that's the most interesting part is like in the beginning when they're fresh out of college it's like they're so young and they're just figuring it out yeah it's like (laughs) everybody's had conversations
0: like anybody who has like you know An open mind and wants to have conversations with people about weird things like relationship and sex and how society Mm -hmm. uh, deems what is correct and what isn't. And also just naturally saying like being honest with oneself and like this is the way that I at least think that it is. Mm -hmm. We've all had conversations like that. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like we've all had a dude like Billy Crystal in this where he's just like men and women can't be friends. The (laughs) The sex will get in the way. And uh, they're yeah. attracted to them. It's like, oh, well, right. what if they're unattractive? It's like, I just still want to have sex with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all like, and it's like this, it's these like societal norms of, of sure. locker room talk, right. so to speak, right. kind right. of right. stuff, right. where right. it's like, and also on the women's side, where it's like, you know, we have secrets as well. Like, oh, you wouldn't even believe what we tell you. And it's like Bernadette said, like they're constantly teaching each other mm-hmm. about men and women, but they're actually teaching each other about, each other mm. right and learning a little bit about themselves right. along the way as well and right. i think that that's what makes it so special and that you can keep rewatching this over right. and over and again get, and get even though you know yeah. even the first time you watch it you know how it's gonna end Sure. They're going to get together. Right. We know this, mm-hmm. which uh, right. the original ending wasn't them getting together. Oh, I didn't know no. that. Rob Reiner changed the ending because he was, uh. he had been single for 10 years after like a divorce. And he He's was very like, much Billy Crystal.
3: Right. So he was like, oh, I need something hopeful.
0: Uh, no, no, no. He, <laughs> he wanted to do it because he didn't know, like, I don't know how this works. I don't know how men and women are able to even talk to one another.
4: Uh. And he made
0: this movie with Nora Ephron who said, like, Sally is very much based off of her as well, sure. to an exaggerated degree. Same with Rob Reiner and his yeah. depression and how he deals with it. I'm yeah. just going to moan for a little while. Right. Which I do all the time. Right. I'm a moaner. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just like think about my life for like at the moment like, oh. I have a very good life. I'm not doing too well right now, but I'm oh, I, no. I'm so happy. I'm just very tired. Oh, very tired. Yeah, very Sleepy t-
2: boy. So uh-huh. did they do a different ending with a test audience and it didn't test well?
0: No. You ready? Yeah. Rob Reiner, while shooting When Harry Met Sally, met his wife oh. and <gasps> eventually married. Oh. <laughs> fell in love and we have to change the ending Aww, and they changed it so as the that's story goes, yeah. i'm that's
2: so amazing. glad
3: that happened yeah, it's no nice. Nice. that is amazing Aww. so when i watched the so jumping off of what stamper said when i watched this movie again this is another movie that i watch frequently like it's it's in my rotation um but watching it this time kind of sitting down and watching it in mind that i was going to do this podcast mm. um the experience of watching a movie and realizing Oh, this movie is about people my age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did that happen? Like the scene the the scene that leads to the big climactic when when Harry and Sally first have sex and she's like upset cuz she finds out that her ex is getting married and you know, she calls Harry to come over and she's freaking out and she's like, "And I'm going to be 40." And he's like, "Yeah, in 7 years."
0: <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "There." I was like I
3: was like and I was like, I'm going to be 40 in seven years um, You know, so I was like, which I that, get, that, I scene get has, that
0: existential angst
3: completely.
0: That scene has one of the saddest lines in the movie for, by Sally, which is like, I thought that I could get away with saying that he didn't want to get married. But now I, I know understand, he didn't want to get married to He didn't to want me. to marry me. Uh, and she's like, why? Yeah. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with
3: me? Yeah. You know,
0: which is like, she finally understands where... Harry's been coming from this whole time because he got divorced yeah Mm -hmm. she was in a relationship with somebody who you know she didn't really want to get married because she was lying to herself that that's not what she wanted right because he had convinced her that that marriage was
3: blase we can go to Rome and we can have sex on the
0: kitchen floor and it's like there's that line that she has about she was babysitting or something yeah they were playing I spy and she's the little girl, like a, yeah, a Aww, little girl saw like yeah a, a little girl and a dad and a mom's asked yeah. by a family yeah and then she's just like and she's oh, like what do you when want?
3: like you know and we we never do have sex on the kitchen floor mm-hmm. and yeah. we don't go to Rome so like what is like I mean what these are, are very doing? like yeah.
0: intimate realistic whether you've been through them or not yeah. you can really empathize yeah with that idea of yeah. growing up like right. first time I saw this movie I was probably in my teens yeah you know and uh, this movie heavily. Influenced my idea of like looking at relationships and stuff and so I was like a real like a dipshit for a long time because I was taking the wrong lessons. Sure. I was listening to college, college and airplane Harry, Harry. like right, right. yeah men and women can't be friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sex right. is always in the way and it's the right. idea that it's the classic. Uh, like norm of like men are constantly in a state of readiness sexually mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. women are constantly in a state of setting the boundaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's you like
4: to. you have to <laughs>
0: yeah. because yeah. the readiness thing is right there yeah, and they're always. just constantly like yeah. they're at the gates yeah. they're, they're banging <laughs> on the gates I get it right. and it's like i i really like that this movie in a very lighthearted 1989 almost woody allen esque new york way mm-hmm discusses these ideas and differences between right. men and women between relationships and friendships and sexuality right and like what constitutes uh, casual sex? what constitutes like Harry uses sex to he says like it's uh, to enjoy oneself kind of thing
4: mm-hmm.
0: kind of like Freudian kind of like uh, or young rather to enjoy oneself, whereas women and Sally have sex as kind of like an emotional connection
4: mm-hmm. uh, to
0: to feel connected. And kind of empathize with oneself and someone else Mm
2: -hmm, besides
0: joy or something like that. They're kind of going through that and going back and forth throughout the movie. This whole
2: movie is foreplay for them, essentially. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and then um, to go back to something Bernadette said about Ever After, um, another thing that I have always appreciated about this movie is, is, you know, like like we said, we know how the movie's going to end. They're going to get together, but... It's not a love at first sight, it's not like a, someone has been pining after somebody for 10 years and then they meet up and uh, you know. It's, it's very much a story about how friendship is a foundational aspect mm-hmm. oh, of any great love story. You mm-hmm. took the awesome. last line right yeah. out of my mouth. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. gonna save that for yeah. the end, but yeah. that's it's absolutely just, it's like what it is. It is the foundation, it is the, you can't have a strong romantic relationship without a real friendship, a real emotional and intellectual connection. Yeah, and, and so you and history. And so you see you see that grow between the two of them over the bulk of the story. That like, you know, and then when it comes to the end and there's that, you know, when Harry runs to her in the party and he's like, he's had the epiphany and it's like, well we all had the epiphany a while ago. We knew how <laughs> we we knew how he felt you know, mm-hmm. and it's that, you know, and he, everything he says to her, like, this is what I love about you, and you're a pain in the ass in restaurants, and you're, you know, like, yeah. you're, you're looking at me like right now, like I'm totally crazy, and you've got that wrinkle above your nose, and like, what, you <laughs> like know, and the, he's the like, things yeah, that used you know, to
0: annoy you about somebody, right? You know like, them, become yeah, the things, that, the you things that you love about and them. the yeah. things that you yeah. will miss about yeah. them, right. yeah. yeah, Yeah. And the, uh, the, the, the uh, I love that Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, as well yes. is a kind of mirror opposite of that idea, where it's like right. these are two people that you never would have expected, right to right. be linked to one another but right. all of a sudden just through just some casual like oh i read this magazine and i decided to quote this quote right and it just so happened to be written by you and it's like the stories that we're hearing from the older couples right where of it's like a different way of coming in the together. same hospital yeah exactly lived these... two doors down from each other for 35 years can you believe it
1: yeah <laughs> well that's the whole thing about you know harry and sally they always had this like magnificent Uh, or draw to one another, just in terms of who they were dating, even. Yeah, they serendipitously keep
0: coming together. They're meant to be in orbit, Mm. you know? They're
1: they're orbiting around each other. And what's so funny about what you said in regards to how it was going to end, the ending that was, the initial ending was friendship is enough, Mm. but friendship led to the love and the friendship was there almost by fate, almost by destiny. In well a way. I think the well,
0: actual ending was like they never saw each other again after oh like that New so Year's bleak. thing. Like, oh it's really God. weird. Oh man, like that's that the idea oh. that they had. Yeah.
2: Not very realistic. In the grand scope of things.
0: And not like... Well, no, because they all not have the like a good ending. Th- Yeah, not like, a good... And
3: yeah, it would have just... <laughs> it
0: just wouldn't like, have been like, like the feel-good movie yeah. of the summer. It would have been like,
3: I just watched almost two hours and then that was really fucking sad. <laughs> okay. this, movie,
0: this movie made like $100 million yeah. in, 19, yeah. in 1989.
3: Yeah. I will say, I will say the only thing that I um, always sort of struggle with in this movie, since we are talking about this through the lens of strong women... Do it. Um, mm-hmm. ...is that the story... For the most part, until you get to the third act, you get kind of equally Harry's point of view and Sally's point of view. And then the thing that changes significantly after they have sex and the relationship, their friendship gets kind of all fucked up from that. they don't know if they can really be around each other anymore. They get in a big fight at the wedding. Um, The film very, very... uh, clearly shifts to Harry's point of view. So you see Harry ruminating on the situation and walking down the street and thinking about, you know, what am I doing? I think I do really love her. What, it, you know, like, I don't know how to, you know. And then you don't, you don't get the analog of like, why did Sally fall in love with Harry?
0: I think it's, uh, I agree with you that, and I think that the reason that it happens is because Sally externalizes to other characters um, through dialogue, mm-hmm. how she's feeling.
3: Right, and Harry, whereas with
0: Harry is an inner Harry's monologue, an animal, which yeah. we haven't had. Inner monologues throughout the whole movie. Mm, right. sure. and it's very jarring. Sure. I hate that about the movie. <laughs> yeah, and
4: yeah. I
0: think that if it had just been him, even just saying it out loud while looking at the things that he's looking at, yeah. it wouldn't have had that. But because we're invited inside his, his mind and then it, it becomes yeah, his story. It becomes his
3: story, and that's and that that's the only thing that disappoints me about the ending. Right. Otherwise, sure. it's a great movie. It's a great
0: story. I mean, the fact that she says like, "I hate you." Yeah. I just I hate you. Like that's the like the last yeah. line essentially. Yeah. Is great. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's so that that's 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 just the only thing that bums me out is I would have loved to have seen a little bit more um, a little bit more of Sally's. Like you said, she does externalize how she feels. Right, I think it's there and it's equalized. It's the inner
0: monologue thing that just really kind of plants you in Harry's psyche and you're like, this has become Harry's movie now for like a second. But we never get
3: a moment where Sally's like, well, here's what I like about you and like you annoy me in this way and you're like really cynical and that bugs me but it's also indeed, you know, like he gives her the list of things that he finds that he loves about her that are annoying. Right. And he, we, he has
0: the, he, he has, has the Jerry Maguire he, yeah. quote, but she doesn't have the doesn't, shut up. Yeah. You have you me had at, had hello. hello. Like it doesn't matter. Right. What you're We're she supposed to have take
3: that. it as a given that she has fallen in love with him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and that's fine. I'm willing to go. I don't, you know, it's not like the movie ends and I'm like, well, I didn't believe that, Right. you know, but I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of like, her thought you know just getting more into her mental state especially since up until the third act of the film like it is very much both of their stories mm-hmm. and you learn you know you learn a lot about her you learn a lot about her in the initial conversation in the car you learn a lot about her you know over the course of their friendship you learn a lot about her and that you know the confrontation when she finds out about her ex getting married and then it's kind of like then that then that drops off a little bit and it becomes more about like Harry convincing himself.
0: I yeah. think it's when they sleep together, Sally has realized like, Yeah, I like Harry. Yeah. And Harry's the one that can't deal with it because right. he's so set in his ways. And set in his ways. So then and he's more negative. Right. Sally's so more be- optimistic. Right.
3: So then it then it has then it naturally has to become a story about how he comes around.
0: Right. And I honestly feel like if they just if it wasn't an inner monologue. Yeah.
3: yeah and yeah, that if yeah. she yeah, maybe sure.
0: had a little <laughs> bit more like you know, like you said, I think that's a really good recommendation at the end of the movie right. to be able to have, she can throw at least down, like, throw like a cent down on um, what she has Right, and it, even if it, it didn't it have him. to be
3: in the party scene, if it could just be something like she's hanging out with Carrie Fisher after the wedding and Carrie Fisher's like, are you okay? Are you hanging in there? And she's like, yeah, this is what I realized. This is what I realized that I, how, how I feel about him and that's why this sucks. It wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have to be like, let's rewrite the whole ending scene and have them both yeah. gush at each other. But just like give give a little bit of context as mm-hmm. to as to what has changed for her. Right. Because otherwise we're we're otherwise I'm kind of like, are we supposed to believe that they had sex? And then Sally's like, oh, I love him now, mm-hmm. which is such a like like a teenage girl. Oh, so cliche, thing, you know, so right. cliche. And so like and so that's the thing that that I don't that's the again the only thing that I don't like about it is that we're supposed to connect the dots in that way with her um, and it sort of it, it, it removes her agency in the story a little mm-hmm. bit.
2: I can completely respect everything you just said mm-hmm. and I agree with you. But I will say that for the bulk of the film, especially with the Carrie Fisher character who has a Rolodex of potential men to chase <laughs> mm-hmm. that she takes Funny. out of her purse.
0: She folds it. When she <laughs> finds out one's married, she doesn't get rid of it, she right. folds it.
2: Right. <laughs> well, Initially we know that Carrie Fisher's character is sleeping with a married man. Right. And Sally has to keep repeating to her. Yeah, he's he's never he's never gonna leave them. You're right, you're the right. Wife. I know
3: you're right. Yeah. You're right, you're right, I know you're right. <laughs> so I
2: think maybe that earlier scene in the film, which takes place within the first hour, within maybe the first forty five minutes of the film, uh, Sally's all about the chase is not what's important. It's uh, it's the end yeah. result. And you can't keep chasing after these men. Mm -hmm. You have to gain their respect and have them come to you. And I think maybe the ending scene is Sally realizing like, well, we probably were never going to talk again because you hurt me so badly. Mm -hmm. But you came to me. Right. So and I'm she willing- wants nothing to do
0: with him when he yeah. first shows up. Yeah. She's, she's like, gonna, she's like, like what are she actually like, tries are you to leave like, here, three right? times yeah. like, to get away. And yeah. it's, he has to, he has to Jerry Maguire her. Right. right. Or I guess Jerry Maguire, Harry met Sally. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But I think that might be the only justification. For that scene is that Sally has had a mindset this entire time ever since the breakup. That's a very
3: fair point. Especially since like, you know, when they have the confrontation at the wedding, Mm -hmm. he's just so obviously unintentionally, but he's so cruel to her. Because he's a dick, you know, and he
0: starts like
3: he's turning on her because he's like, he's
0: just not going to be nice to her. Yeah. right. And it's all these little things that she liked about him. Now it's like it's the idea. It's like the closer you get to somebody they know your shit mm-hmm. yeah. and they know exactly what to say to hurt you. Right. And right. he does that earlier when he blows up on Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. And then he turns it on Sally when she's just trying to like see if he's okay. Right. And he right. realizes he did it. And then she blows up on him and he goes, can I say one thing? I'm sorry. Like they yeah. hug and just get over it. Cause he realizes like, yeah. I abused, the relationship that we have and the closeness that you've trusted me with. Right. I just used it to hurt your feelings. Right. And right. And I apologize. And right. that's at the wedding. That's like his crux. That's his go to. Right. In defense when he goes into like. Right. Defense mode. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. So I'd like to think that at the end of the film, although I do wish we would have heard Sally say some things to him in return, that would have been wonderful. But I do think that for Sally, she just wanted to find a man who did respect her. Mm -hmm. And I think him coming to her with that admission of guilt is him saying, I'm so sorry. You're the first woman I've ever truly respected and see as an equal. And granted, yes – it resolved too quickly, mm-hmm. but, it, mm-hmm. but I can understand. I think where both characters were coming from. Yeah. Right I
0: mean, I think when they get together, uh, Harry's still going to be a slime ball.
2: Yeah, and <laughs>
0: Sally's still going to be like super uptight and picky. But right, like, that's, that's each her thing. other. Yeah. Right, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: In the last, the last scene where they're talking about, you know, when they're the couple being interviewed and they're talking about their wedding, and they're talking about the wedding cake and they had the sauces on the side.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, like... Well, it's like they don't, the, both the characters need to grow yeah. and learn to appreciate themselves in order to appreciate what the other can mean to them. Right. It doesn't mean that they have to change. change exactly. Billy Cr- uh, Harry does not have to right. change his attitude and his negative right. outlook on life. Like he's not going to stop reading the last page of every book. Just in case he dies. He's not going to do that. And she's not going to stop ordering things specifically the way she wants. (laughs) Right. And I think Sally's, that little thing, that little piece of her character, which is a great running joke in Mm -hmm. the movie, is very indicative of her character and why she is so strong is that she knows how she wants things. Right. And the things that she can control how she gets, food that she's ordering... She takes complete advantage right. of and it. And
3: she's not ashamed to do it in right. front of people. She just right. doesn't
0: have that same level of control over other things in her life. Right. And that's why she has, like, the defense blanket of just being optimistic mm-hmm. and just, like, like earning her surname Albright. Like, just yeah. trying to look at everything poppy and cheery and eventually she implodes. Right. Because Harry kind of, like, worms his way into <laughs> yeah. her head the same way that her optimism yeah. worms its way into his head.
3: Yeah, Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and like now that you say that, it makes me think that there's a large part of this movie too is the, the, the thing about their friendship and maybe the reason why, you know, there's always a reason why people come together and the reason why they came together and kept orbiting each other, like you said, mm-hmm. Stamper, is that they, you know, they both have these very strong defense mechanisms, even though they manifest in, in, in patently opposite ways. And the story is about how, Both of them, unintentionally, but just in the course of being friends and learning how to be friends, tear each other's boundaries down. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then that's what leads them to falling in love. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the relationship so strong.
0: And that's how real people grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. like you you go through these really rough relationships, whether they're friendships or sexual or intimate. Mm -hmm. You go through these things and they fuck you up. And you're really not an adult. That's what adult is. Like in your early 30s. Yeah. That's when you're an adult because you've had the time to get fucked over. Right. And accidentally or intentionally fuck right. other people over. Right. And think about it. Right. It's got nothing to do about maturity or how much you've read. Right. Which is why I don't like reading Catcher in the Rye. Fuck that kid! <laughs> that kid has no fucking idea what he's talking about. No, and I get that that's the point of the book. Yeah, I think this is the third time i brought up <laughs> that I don't like. I have to read it. I've never finished it.
4: <laughs> oh I God. start it and
0: no, I get twenty pages in. And I'm like, s- fuck this kid. Catcher in the Rye.
3: When I read Catcher in the Rye, I read it and I think, oh, this is the because I never read it in high school. I read it. I came to it in college, mm. and I when I read it, I was like, this is the kind of thing that when I was fifteen, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone's a th- phony. I didn't get to it. And, I, and then I and then like but I I came to it later and I'm like oh shut the fuck it's up it's like yeah, yeah I barely
0: want to talk to five people that I know that act like that at the bar for a minute I don't want to read 200 pages of right. it a manifesto <laughs> um, let's uh, closing thoughts on uh, when Harry met Sally Stamper did you have anything you want to say well
1: I did want to say Thank you, because it was a uh, revisiting from a different point of view that I um, mm-hmm. I might not have honestly gone out of my way to watch this movie.
0: It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, um, and I like too. come back to it like once every couple years. Mm-hmm.
1: And now it's something you know I watched it the once for this, and I definitely want to watch it again just on my own leisurely. Not that it wasn't leisurely to watch it the first time, but mm-hmm. thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to revisit, um, and. Yeah, see it from a different...
0: And a lot like... Uh, I, I tried mm-hmm. to find some connections while I was watching all these movies so closely mm-hmm. together, and much like uh, Harry and Sally are in each other's orbit as if fate is pushing them together, mm, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes, as Leonardo da Vinci from Ever after <laughs> you have to give fate a little bit of a helping hand.
4: Oh, <laughs> You guys I hope I my fate. I hope I didn't say you that to ASMR. For the
0: <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, good on when Harry met Sally. I think we that was really I think, good. Yes. Yeah. all right, it's just yeah. great. Let's uh, we're gonna take a quick break, real quick, and when we come back, we are going to dive into everybody's favorite Brecken Meyer movie, <laughs> Clueless. Uh, so we'll be right back after these commercial breaks. welcome to another episode of It's Fitz, where StoryScreen's own film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 1987 summer hit, Dirty Dancing. I want to dance with somebody, I want to feel the heat, Dirty Dancing, I might have watched it. As a young child, I'm not really into that kind of dancing, but I miss... <laughs> ah, fuck. I just remember seeing a photo of Patrick Swayze. He was so... There's like the cute little girl. Uh, cute woman. She's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I, you know, I really have nothing to say about that movie. I just... I don't know. There's... It's not even
4: that... uh...
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has been another episode of It's Fits. And welcome back. Uh, Jumping right back into it. Uh, Our next movie that we're going to talk about is the 1995... 5 Clueless. Uh, Bernadette, that was your choice. Why don't you uh, take us away on this on this lovely journey?
2: All right. So Clueless, as you said, uh, came out in 1995. It's written and directed by Amy Heckerling of Fast Times at Ridgemont High fame. Uh, she did a lot of work during that era, but hasn't done so much recently. She's directed episodes of certain television shows such as Suburgatory, which was on ABC, which also starred Jeremy Sisto, who plays Elton in Clueless.
0: A real fuckboy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh,
2: Clueless is a modern retelling of Emma by Jane Austen, and it stars Alicia Silverstone as Cher. And Cher is very privileged, very spoiled, a 15-year-old girl growing up in Beverly Hills, and she just wants to do good, but so long as it pertains to herself. And they bring it up in the film that she's a do- do-gooder do and she wants to do things altruistically, but she is a little selfish. She wants to matchmake so that her grades can be better and so that she climbs the social status at her high school. But through all of these acts, she starts to learn that she wants to do good for herself and not necessarily receive any benefit from said acts of do-gooding. And her matchmaking tendencies, you see, take some falls during this film. But by the end, she's rewarded with realizing who she is as a person and who she wants to pursue romantically. And I think she's a strong female protagonist because... She stays strong in her convictions, however misguided they are at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's a very positive and altruistic person by nature. But it takes her a while because as you are 15, you don't know what you're doing. She's fifteen 15? She's 15. She, she turns wild? 16 during the course of the film.
4: How well, old is know.
2: Paul
3: Rudd's character? That's that's he's, that's the thing that college. I want to talk about.
2: He, I think he's in his freshman year of college. That's
3: definitely mm-hmm. a thing we want to talk about. We yes. got to talk about that.
2: So I believe <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 if things weren't weird enough,
4: right? So I
2: believe he is eighteen. I think he's a college no. freshman, and they oh. hadn't seen each other for five years. Or when they were technically related as uh, stepbrother and stepsister, she was ten and he was thirteen. And then their parents got divorced and every once in a while he'll come back into her life via Thanksgiving or mm-hmm. Christmas or, or whatnot. Interning
3: for her dad or whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: Which happens I mean, during they, the mean, They do of have the a very
0: brotherly, sisterly relationship, but you know, they're just the kind of constant like bickering back and forth, mm-hmm. but also like in the quieter moments late at night or like, on the couch and stuff like mm-hmm. giving each other cheese doodles and stuff like that. Like right, I always right. took it that they had like a semi close relationship but i didn't i didn't know that they were always I fond was, i didn't realize that she was like 15, they were
3: always 16. fond yeah. of each other they were always fond of each other they didn't right. they never hated each other
2: right well she takes her driving test during the course of the film and so at the beginning she is 15 at the end she's 16 but still paul red is 18 mm, or 19 yeah. hmm.
4: which is a little
2: that always struck me too when i was younger watching it i was like i don't really quite get this relationship but i paid special close attention to their age difference, and how they knew each other and how long they had known Mm. each other during this particular viewing. Because I wanted to finally get a grasp on what I had watched years ago. Because it's such a funny, wonderful film. It really just, like, was in the lexicon when it came out. Like, whatever. And I'm totally (laughs) bugging. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, like, every single 90s slang that I grew up with was from that yeah. from that movie. It's a perfect yeah. right. example Bucket of like um, yeah. a, a, a movie <laughs> landing a movie
0: landing at just the right time, yeah. and talking about culture, but also because they're so good at talking about it, they also inform the culture. Like
3: yes. as if like,
0: as if and whatever, <laughs> it's like these things were probably spoken by a few, mm-hmm. but like as soon as Clueless happened, like it became like yeah. as if more. and whatever were more of like a late '90s thing than they were yeah. uh early '90s thing, which would be what this movie is commenting on mm-hmm. right. and i think that that's really crazy how it's like such a culturally effective movie while also commenting on the culture of like societal norms and stuff like you said like kind of treating high school as like this hierarchy of mm-hmm. like trying mm-hmm. to build your way up and be at the top of it which is what emma is really about right right, so
3: right. About society yeah
2: yeah and i think it fits well in this context i think it's a fun retelling of that emma story because I've seen the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation as well, and Emma got a few television series throughout its time uh, being retold in that context. But I think during that era, nineteen ninety five, the nineties, there were a lot of adaptations that came out, like Romeo plus Juliet, I was just say, mm. Romeo plus yes, that, <laughs> that was trying to inform that current generation who might have been getting out of the classroom a little bit too much and out of reading novels. Other than uh, given to you as assignments by your right. teachers, trying to make them fun and fresh to get people interested in reading the classics, which it did for me. Mm-hmm. So it did its job, at least for one of us here. And I think it's just a fun film it overall. Is. I definitely don't think I like Stamper said with When Harry Met Sally and Rhea, you said the same thing that it didn't really register with you the first time you saw mm-hmm. it. That's how I feel about Clueless. It was a fun film. And I didn't really seriously has dig grown. into it. It has oh grown on God. me over the years. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: I remember it's a movie that it, grows, with it grows with you. It grows with you. Yeah, totally, totally.
2: And I will say, just to speak to my geekdom, this was the first time ever watching Clueless that I picked on the, up on the Twin Peaks line when uh, Cher's in the car with Elton and is finding out that Elton has feelings for her <gasps> and not for Ty. And Cher says, I'm having a Twin Peaks moment. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I never picked up on that until this viewing. And I think Cher comes across a little bit more educated and a little bit more aware of her surroundings. And she mm-hmm. probably should for the writing. I think, I it's think bit, it's that, fun.
0: I think that one of the things that's interesting about her character is that she is a very... I think that she is an intellectual individual for her age and place. Mm -hmm. It's just that her personality and the culture surrounding her that she enjoys so much leaves something to be desired for the execution of communicating those things. Like the things that she says in her class reports, she's getting deep down to like these kind of really weird cultural observations, but she's just doing them using metaphors that aren't really... (laughs) Um, uh, applicable or right. or maybe even like kind of uh, just like that's probably not what you should be saying like when you're talking about that. Yeah. You know like and I it, like doesn't she like mispronounce Haitian? Yes. She's oh saying, Hayden like, or something H- like that. Hayd- Haydian. Yeah Haydian. And you're just like okay but she's like try, she's like she there. picked this thing to talk about. Yeah. And the thing that she's saying she's like wouldn't it be great if we just this? And it's like well that's not really Applicable or rational or logical, but like, or maybe it is logical, like, that's the logically best thing to do. It's the nicest thing to do to be able to fix this problem. But she's just kind of like, wouldn't that be great? And she doesn't understand, like, that's not how the world works. And the movie Clueless is kind of her learning how the world works. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like that there is a character, and I don't think that this is really used to its full effect. That Amber, one of her classmates, does get up. She was supposed to be debating her in debate class. And Mm -hmm. she says, Well, she didn't do the assignment. If Cher doesn't do the assignment, how can I do my assignment? Right. And yeah, I think that was a good call out that doesn't really get referenced later on in the film.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Amber's mm-hmm. just kind of like the
1: villain. Oh, totally. Another yeah. social climber. Stealing her outfits. Yes. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: right. With your designer imposter perfume. Oh, right. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What oh, a God. burn. Right. Such a burn. Right. Yeah, but it's so true because I, in this re-watching, I find that Cher is a lot more mature than I have initially I mean, I've I got to say that I probably saw it maybe three or four years ago, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but potentially long enough to where in watching it this time around for this particular podcast, hearing her jargon, just her vocabulary in general, it's there. Um, but she's kind of falling into these social normatives of high school and mm-hmm. the whole like... Um, whatever, but she actually has substance behind all of that, so and I'm totally when, picking when the up right on people what you get... say. She's and I... a lot
0: like Henry in that way, mm. honestly. From Ever After.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which, like she's, like she's, like she's born into this, uh, into this world of entitlement right. and privilege, yeah. Yeah. and everything is nice and good, but she feels like she wants a little bit more, but she doesn't necessarily know how to go about getting that. right? And, you know, in Ever After, Henry is... He needs Danielle to be able to kind of slap him into reality to realize, like, if you became king, quit whining about that. You could help change things. Sure. And in Clueless, um, Cher realizes that by sharing
1: <laughs> the entitlement, oh, and the, the, the uh,
0: entitlement uh, <laughs> by, by using the entitlement and the privilege, privilege that she's been giving and the resources that she has right. and her place in the hierarchy. Of the social cultural structure in her high school. She can do really good things because she's popular. Mm
4: -hmm. And
0: as she starts to do those things, the past choices that she made in the first act of the film start to come back to haunt her. Mm -hmm. And it starts impeding on her ability to be able to do these things that she's getting a real joy out of. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in the beginning, she's very much a fly on the wall. Um, you do have this inner monologue and she's kind of making these um, statements about the people around her, how her life operates, and she's almost detached in a way. Mm -hmm. And um, a moment that kind of brought that to light for me was when Christian came to pick her up and they get into his car and he goes, your dad's kind of a hard ass and she goes isn't he like she just knows that this is the way of life and that's just the way it is she's not apologizing for her father right um she just goes about it but then we start delving into what she wants so it goes from her being um an outsider looking in and making these um choices that affect other people to her being severely affected and changing yeah she's she's mm-hmm. very
0: comfortable at the beginning of the movie yeah mm-hmm. and then through learning everything and learning from Paul Rudd and seeing what she does to um, Tia? Ty.
1: Ty. 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 Uh,
0: Which is uh, a breakout performance here. The late, great
3: Britney Murphy. I sent you
0: guys a text and it was the only rule I broke in not talking about the movies before we sit down is Britney Murphy should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Mm -hmm. this. I will bring that to the table and to my grave. (laughs) She is on fire in this movie. Like all the different beats she goes through like Her alone would have been a perfect character to pick for Clueless instead of Alicia Silverstone. Sure. She's very manipulated throughout the whole thing, but she's she's so sweet in this movie. I don't want to... She's sweet.
3: Well, and what, what I love about her character, too, is that, you know, we meet her and Cher and Dion have decided to take her on as their project. Yeah. And, you know, in the course of the story... Well, number one, Ty has like a near death experience at the mall, and then that makes her, and then that makes her more popular than Cher. Um, but then, you know, like w- w- what's moving about the story is by the end, you know, Ty is who she is, and she changes a little bit. She tries to change a little bit more because Cher is trying to tell her, you know, you have to be this certain way in order to fit in, and if you want to get Elton, whatever. But, you know, by the end, what what's great about Cher's character is she realizes that, you know, Ty is a great person on her own and she will be her friend, even though they don't, you know, like she wasn't able to transform her into like proto Cher or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that it's that evolution of Cher's character that compels Paul Rudd to really look at her in a different light and not be like, Oh, she's like this obnoxious kid sister figure. Who's just like kind of a ditz and doesn't really, you know, he like, he starts to realize that there's real depth to her. And that's because it comes from her acknowledgement that there's more complications in life than just like, you have to dress this certain way and behave this certain way and do these things in order to like get to a certain status or whatever. She starts Mm -hmm. to figure out how to accept people and the world for what it is mm-hmm. and then come at her altruism with that lens as opposed to I'm gonna fix things because I want them to look the way I think they should look
0: right mm-hmm. and it's I want to fix things too. because they're better yeah they would be better they will be better, will be better. Yeah. Right. yeah exactly
2: I but, think it's uh, telling and it's applicable even now I think that women have been dealing with this culture of I need to look a certain way or play dumb mm. to get a certain place even now we're still de- dealing with the past two years of moving past that outlook for women and women are being given the chance to be more vocal and strong. And I think this movie, yeah, as you said with Cher, uh, she was playing the part that mm-hmm. she thought would work for her. And yet the fact that she made Ty like a mirror image, that's when she realizes like, what did I do? Did mm-hmm. I make a monster? Like this is wrong. If yeah. she's wrong, am I wrong? which was really cool to see back then, but even cooler to see now. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: I find it interesting that the idea of like women having to, like thinking that they, word this correctly, women uh, thinking that they need to act dumb to be able to not be intimidating is kind of rooted in the idea that men kind of casually and lazily don't really act too smart. Because they can kind of get away with it. Sure. Yeah. And it's in that not having to try women who are constantly having to try to do all of these different things to step up to social norms or just to try to have a protected and safe life, they have to try a little bit extra harder. And so that's going to naturally end with like some form of like either cultural intelligence or just like general personality, like. You're just like a quick thinker Mm -hmm. and they have to dumb themselves down because the world has taught them to be a little bit um, smarter and craftier. Mm -hmm. And they have to bring themselves down to not intimidate men who Mm -hmm. are just kind of casually comfortable in this state of just like, well, I mean, like not saying that all men are stupid. It's just that I think that the casual man is usually just a little bit more laid back than say the casual woman Mm -hmm. right would i be Mm -hmm. stretching Mm -hmm. too far on that
3: no i think Mm -mm. that's i think there's truth in there and like
0: that's like you always hear that idea it's like women have to dumb themselves down to be able to talk to certain men Mm -hmm. and i think i like the idea of extrapolating that and going towards like well why do they have to why do they feel that they need to dumb themselves down and it's because the air that most men present in just a casual situation is one of just like naivete and just like kind of mm-hmm. casual laziness like oh it's no big deal it's like the world was built for me It's this is fine
4: i
2: think it's really cool to compare ever after with danielle and share and clueless that they both lost their mother at very early mm-hmm. ages mm-hmm. didn't
1: even know them yeah
2: and yeah like share has a picture a portrait of her mm-hmm. in her house but danielle even makes a comment like i wish i knew what she looked like mm-hmm. so. during that time in place, but it's interesting that Danielle took of all of her father's best attributes and used them to grow as a person, mm-hmm. and Cher took all of the attributes that she knows from her father as a lawyer and uses argument to get out of any problem that she has ever seen mm-hmm. until the driving test. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, kind of polar opposites. Danielle only magnifies all of the good that was put into her by her father, and Cher takes. Kind of the negative aspect because Cher's father, while he's a good dad and he loves his daughter, isn't necessarily instructing her in the proper manner. No. Mm -hmm. Let's her manipulate her grades, lets her manipulate any situation. That's perfect. That's that's his yeah.
1: Oh my god, his character reminds me so much of my father. (laughs) So when (laughs) Brittany Murphy's character is sitting at the table, they're having dinner, and Cher's like Dad, this is my friend Ty. And the dad just goes, get Get out out of my my chair. (laughs) (laughs) And she was just like, oh, Daddy, you need to watch your calories. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like my father. But you just grow to accept the angry, grisly part. And you take... What's good, and you utilize it, or you know, well, like what he's, is seemingly good. Ha, have
0: he's you guys loving seen in his life. Own... at the Roxbury, yes, loving. where he's yes. the dad, yes, of that, <laughs> and that is just a great head. idiot, yeah, moron, <laughs> the, the, the plant lamp
3: shop. Have you seen the other one that I was thinking of? And I can't remember what it was called, but the one that was like the the Nixon adaptation with. Kirsten Dunst oh and God, Michelle Williams. What? You don't know about this? He looks just like He Nixon. plays Nixon? He plays Nixon. Get the fuck out of here. He, he looks like, like Nixon a, without like anything. And like the whole premise of the movie is like Michelle Williams and Kirsten Dunst, both Why very young. Why is this movie? They're, like, they're like interning at the White House and they're- was oh,
1: elected? No. No, 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 That's no. It's called
3: something.
1: No, no, no. This I is like a straight up election.
3: farce. It's like an uh, idea. Uh, the idea is like the Watergate scandal, like the tapes got- Messed up because one of the two interns, like, developed a crush on Nixon and, like, <laughs> like recorded a, like, love letter to him and then was like, oh, fuck, I got to delete that. And then that's why there's a gap on the tape. And, like, Will Ferrell plays uh uh, uh Bob Woodward. Oh, this and is Bruce- Dick. Oh! Dick, yes yes yes, 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 yes. I couldn't yes. think of the name of the movie. I completely yeah.
0: forgot all about that yeah. movie.
3: Yeah, and Bruce McCullough plays, plays Bernstein. <laughs> and it's just, like... Like, Dave Foley as Haldeman. It's a really ridiculous movie, but it's Dan Hedaya as Nixon. And it's just basically like, you take the dad from Clueless and you put him in the White House.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? Ryan Reynolds is he in it. He lives in yeah.
1: the White House in Clueless. Yeah.
0: <laughs> call him Ooh, Jim and Brewer. back to
1: 1970.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta see this <laughs> picture Isn't of Dan Hedaya.
3: <laughs> oh my God, that's what he looks like now. <laughs>
0: Just Google Dan Hedia and uh, the first picture that pops up is... Uh,
2: that. is that. Is that him? So it Dan sounds him like like he he's yeah. a little typecast.
0: A little bit, I'm yeah. sorry, I really derailed that. I made that a well, of no, up podcast but, but, but a I was second. But
2: I was going to say, so
3: the character, like Cher's dad... He is loving in his own way, but it's like everything's a little bit kind of demented. Like, you know, he comes, she comes to him and she's like, I'm going to negotiate my way into better grades. And he's like, good, that's great. Not study more and get better (laughs) grades. He's like, negotiate. You know, but it's like, but that's his way of showing Love and that's that's, you know, but and then but naturally, like those are the values she grows up with living Mm -hmm. in that house. Sure. Which is why everything she does is like kind of good, but in the first act of the movie anyways, kind of good, but kind of like. That's a little weird. That's like a little weird way to go about trying to like help people. It's kind of mm-hmm. a
0: sociopath in the yeah, way, a way. Like, yeah, A little bit. A little bit. It's no, very
3: mercenary. It's very, you know. Yeah, I'll do this. I'll I'll get the I'll get the two problematic teachers to fall in love and then they'll both be like happier and less grumpy in class. And then everyone will get better grades as a result or I'll get better grades as a result. And And it works. It works. works. Right. And they're happy. That's the thing. is, like for a while it works for her, which is why she, she thinks she's, you know, like, yeah. It's why she thinks she's correct. And then it's, it backfires with Ty because, you know, it's like, it's way more complicated in that scenario. You know, you're taking somebody who's like, you know, and like, I forget where time moves from. Like, she's very, there's oh, definitely a class thing. Her yeah, accent it's is very, New York. But it's like, but it's absolutely a class marker. It's yeah. like, she's from New York, but she's not from she's like, like, What did she say She's the from the Brooklyn, Bronx, and she's yeah. like. Her first day
0: at the cafeteria, it's like, you guys have soda?
1: Yeah. No, yeah. oh, she goes, Coke. Coke. Oh, yeah, coke. Yeah, yeah. coke. yeah, she goes, you guys got Coke here? And yeah. they're like. Yeah, we have all kinds of soda. And she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I think that's something, too, that stood out more so in this rewatching was um, when she comes in, she ties, not a virgin. She's done. She's first of she's all, looking for. Yeah, she's, a, she's looking yeah, she's for green. Stunner. Yeah, she gets excited about coke. Um, and here comes. Oh, is that Dion a joke on
0: that? Oh, yes,
3: yeah, that's yeah. what it was.
1: Oh, did you miss that? Yeah. yeah.
0: I thought it was just like she came from a place and they didn't have Coke brand soda. Oh, no. no, she's
1: talking about No, she's cold. talking
0: about drugs. Oh, this yeah. went way over. My
3: head. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah and so yeah. there are these two girls that Sorry are looking at her like. We're at- <laughs> right,
3: like,
1: like, oh, pretty.
3: Well, <laughs> that's the thing that I think is so like endearing about Cher. And Dion, to a degree, too, is, like, they're these, like, they're, like, the most popular girls in school, but they're also, like, weirdly wholesome. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah, Like, weirdly wholesome. And yeah, they, like, you, what was it? The popular, girls, like, were yeah. like so popular girls were not like that. Exactly, the popular girls were not like that. Or whatever yeah. it was.
4: I, I
0: think it's just, a, so like, Brittany Murphy, I just have such an affinity for, and I know that this is, like, one of her youngest, like, earliest roles, I and I'm just I, I kind of, like, like her first. I'm yeah. just, like, oh, she's so oh, innocent, and they're going to... You know, they're gonna manipulate well, that's the, that's the her. The interesting and, uh, thing about I, her character just, this went over my head. is
3: that she's she's an innocent because she's she's an innocent in the context of this, this very this, yeah, this Beverly Hills Their rich worlds. private school environment. She's a naive in that context. But in terms of like street smarts and world smarts, she's way ahead of the She's turf. rolling with the homies. Yeah, she's totally. rolling with the homies. And yeah. that's and that is that is why the plot to remake her fails because it's like she's not like this they're they're like, oh, she's clueless. She's a mess. And it's like she's not a mess. She's no. just very, very different. yeah it's not a different you.
2: country bumpkin by
0: a yeah, little yeah, exactly. donna she's are in fact the ones who are clueless. Yes,
3: they are yeah
1: exactly 100%. exactly I mean, because she already knows that she's attracted to, I forget his name, but the stoner dude.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So they have If I was a
0: girl, that's the kind of guy I'd be attracted to. I'm calling <laughs> him. He's Me so too. cute as be perfectly
3: then that's Like, I have a week, I have a week, I love Jeremy Sisto. So even though I know Elton is a fuck boy, I'm like, oh, but that's. You at Jeremy's system. That's
0: know. what allows fuckboys to be fuckboys. I know I know right? I know I but know. I don't
3: know We're like, analyzing everything that's gone again, wrong in my
0: life for the last 20. You know, years. He, he,
1: oh. he has a question <laughs> share, but he doesn't, you know, he, okay, so he tries to kiss her in the car. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, I saw that as like this really horrific moment. It is though. Totally. But I, I saw it as I was starting to almost empathize with him because he had this crush and he thought that he she was into him. Oh,
3: and he thought that he'd been clear about his feelings. I mean,
1: the kissing and the, the hugging and everything else. And yeah. she's like, oh, my God, as if blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he's he's imploring with her, please get back in the car, please, please, please. And she's like, no. And he's like, fine. And then drives off. And, then, and leaves, then her she goes, leaves her no, for dead. No, what she where are you going? So there was a moment there where I was like, it didn't seem as serious as it seemed when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. In terms of it's like not, what could it's have happened, it's not totally rapey.
3: Not totally, it's not totally it's rapey. Him, it's him
1: definitely well, going he, for something that she should have greenlighted first, right? Yeah, but he and she said no, and then he still did.
3: But he thought that he had been clear about his feelings towards her the whole time, mm-hmm. and she, she, you know, he well, a he wasn't right. everything that he did that he thought. Was showing feelings towards her could easily have been misinterpreted, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, like you know, she was she trying was,
1: to manipulate him right. to be with Ty sure, and sure. negating any sort of advancement right. that he had towards her. Right. Well, right. she was
3: just she was so involved in her project in right. her Ty project that she missed
0: she whatever missed he d- was putting out there, Right. and
3: that's why she's caught completely off guard.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a definite double standard. To that scene where it's like yeah, it's a he weird he scene. is mm-hmm. attempting to uh, have sexual relations with he her. He was Trying
1: to kiss her. He's making a without, move. Yeah, yeah, making a
0: move on her, and she's not really into it. But she's also like like. Manipulating this guy's reality it's, around oh, yeah. him without him knowing, like, without right. his Nature, consent or any agency or, yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. So I get that here. that it's a, it's a loaded scene. Totally, where if you really yeah, want to like, break it down, it's like right. Whoa. It's like
3: she she's she's. She's not the hero of that scene
2: no. either.
1: And even after mm. she's super casual, he drives off and she's like, Ew, you know, and then this guy comes up with the gun and is like, give me your phone. And she's like, oh, my dress.
4: <laughs> well, you know, yeah. and then when she this calls is an her
1: <laughs> He's like, What's that? Like a super totally like great designer. Brand blah blah blah. we well, see. So it's just an interesting point in the movie where something comes to a head, because she'd been working on this behind the scenes stuff well i mean and like that's two people together that, that weren't, the, weren't meant to be together and
3: that's that's the beginning of the turning point for her is where sure. she's like all right this is i'm something's not i'm not i'm not doing this well yes, like this, this, is, this is, way is not more serious yeah this is not this is i'm not succeeding at my you know my overall goal so mm-hmm. there's something something not quite working in my approach well,
0: that's like like bernadette said like you you it, it, even though she goes through these changes and she understands that, like, oh, maybe I've been going about this wrong and kind of, like, grows as a person, she never really... Sacrifices who she is as a character and as an individual. She still has Mm -hmm. the same wants and desires, right?
3: The scene that I really find interesting is the one where Ty is talking about not being a virgin, and I guess Dion has just had sex with um, what's his face?
2: Yeah, Murray. Before we get into this scene, Mm -hmm. do you mind Mm -hmm. if I touch on the scene that we were just talking about? Oh, sure. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Granted, at the beginning of the film, Cher says dating a high school guy is disgusting and Mm -hmm. gross and i will Mm. never do it i don't understand why anyone wastes time on all of these high school dudes and she was very misguided at the beginning it's because she didn't see them individually for who they are Mm -hmm. she was just seeing them all lumped in together Mm -hmm. and she's always searching for something beyond what she has in front of her Mm -hmm. even though that's not a great thing necessarily But I do think that scene with Elton in the car, I love that she is in the driver's seat in that situation, but she's not in the driver's seat, which I thought was a great scene because it's not like she's driving and stranding someone. And granted, she does get stranded, but I see it as her still holding the power in that Mm -hmm. situation to be like, oh, well, you're not going to stop. I'm going to get out of the car, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though she immediately regrets it and then is encountered by something that Mm. is outside of her realm of negotiation and... Even understanding, she's probably never been in that situation before. She's always thinking she's so much older than what she is. Mm-hmm.
0: However, early '90s comically, that situation is dealt with. Sure, right, sure. keeping it light. It was
2: very sure. right. Right. keeping
0: yeah, it right. light.
2: Right, it's not uh, a serious mugging. It's right. mugging. Right. <laughs> I think <laughs> there was a, a gun involved. I think yeah, if, but, that, type guy, guy idiot. if yeah. that type of guy, if that
0: type of guy mugs somebody who looked like Alicia Silverstone in 1995 in that area. That would have been a much different scene. She probably
2: would have been dead. Yeah. 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 But Rhea, going into. Oh, I mean, like like this, what I was going to say
3: actually, uh, no, it it piggybacks off of that a little bit. The scene where, you know, they're, you know, Dion and Ty are like talking about sex now because they have, they can talk about sex. And they're like, you know, oh, you know, Cher's still a virgin. And Cher is, I mean, like, this is sort of what compels her to pursue what's his name? Fancy guy.
1: Christian? Christian. Christian.
3: Cause she's like Cake fancy boy. guy, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, the movies, words, right, right. I'm on <laughs> movies, words. But, um, the Rat
1: Pack,
3: right. But she in the scene though, where they're like, ah, oh, you're a virgin, and she's she's not ashamed of it. She's like, yeah, I am. Okay, like I don't think that's a big deal. And then like you know, Ty and Dion kind of make her feel like foolish for being a virgin, but she goes into that scene being like, yeah, I am. That's cool. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with being a virgin. And it's that same thing of like, you know, you're not going to stop the car. Okay, I'm going to get out of the car. She, she's like, I I believe in what I believe in, in terms of who I am. And I'm not going to bend that in order to, you know, be something different. And then, of course, you know, like she's having doubts at that point because... Her makeover of Ty is failing. So then she's like, maybe I should, maybe I should sleep with somebody. And then she like, you know, finds Christian, but it's still like, she, she has very, very strong convictions about herself and who she is and her place in the world. And I always, I always like that moment in that scene where she's like, yeah, whatever. I am a virgin. Like, don't. It's, you Who know? cares? Who cares? It's like for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: So no, it's a uh, sex is treated like so serious, like when you're younger, because right. it's like this kind of unattainable thing. And then when you start doing it, you're just like, ha ha ha, I'm so cool. And then you get to the point where you're just like, oh, what the fuck was I doing back then? Right. Mm-hmm. right. of. You know? Right. Right.
2: Actually, the, the one problem I had with this rewatch, and I had never felt this way before until this current viewing, was that Christian never gets to come out for himself. He right. only gets to come out through other people saying mm. that. Yeah. And that bothered me this time. Nineteen
0: ninety-five. Nineteen ninety five, yeah. Yeah, no, but that's it's a It's really like good kind point. of socially yeah. acceptable and okay. It's not a big deal, but it's also kind of like treated as like this kind of plot device kind of thing. Right. Like a trick. Right. And right. I feel
2: like he got a pass because he was trendy and sure. subscribed. I mean he was
0: trendy. To, he to was the trendy. Yeah.
2: yeah, which was a little bit of a bummer this time. Right. Watching it. Right. So
0: um, did, uh, uh, closing thoughts on Clueless, guys? I know oh, we, we're, we're kind of lingering on a lot of specifics right. on this one, but we're I don't know how much end. we
3: need to unpack the, I, well, I mean, I said we gotta talk about it, but, like, the age gap between, mm-hmm.
2: um, what is Paul Rudd's character's
3: name? We're all
2: calling him Paul Rudd. <sighs> I know. I just watched it yesterday. I know. I
0: love... Josh? Josh! Josh. That's it. There
2: we go. I'm a monster! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's well, so funny, because... Cher gets her Billy Crystal moment where she's walking around. Yes, yes, she's walking around and she's like, like, I do, I do like Josh.
3: And this is what, you know, like, he's so Uh annoying and he doesn't, but, but like, but he's great. Yeah, no, it's totally like the thing that we don't see Sally do in When Harry Met (laughs) Sally, Uh but we get that. Paul Rudd, by the way, doesn't age.
1: No. He looks exactly the same
3: now as he did in Clueless. I don't know what, there's like a portrait in his basement or his attic or... Um oh, yeah, I you know like the age gap bothers me and I don't uh, it's not supposed to bother us in the context of the movie because mm-hmm. it's just kind of like oh well you know but but it's like uh, you know I
0: think the taboo nature of just like their relationship in general is supposed mm-hmm. to be a little to, off-putting right. and she's like yeah. I don't care what the social norms on this thing are. Right. I like Josh he right. likes me and like, we're going to go. And it's like, like oh, he, all right. He shouldn't,
3: he shouldn't be dating a 16 year old. No,
0: that is very true. Okay. Me, me and Diana are watching. It's becoming like an inside joke on this podcast. We're watching Everwood mm. and there is a subplot happening now where a 19 year old is dating a 16 year old mm. and everybody knows about it. Right. And people have their problems with it, but they're like, well, I guess, you know, I guess we'll just see where this goes. And I'm watching, I'm like, this show was made in like 2003. What's going on here? Yeah. (laughs) And I guess it's like, well, I guess if they just kiss, what? Why am I saying those words? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, It's
3: it's, definitely creepy. yeah, Yeah. It doesn't ruin the movie, but it's, and it's, it's one of those things that I didn't think about when I first watched the movie, I was just kind of like, Oh, that's great. She found somebody and he's cool and whatever. And happy ending and blah, blah, blah. And then like, as I've revisited the movie over the years, and I've been like, if he's in college, mm-hmm. and she's like, what in tenth grade or yeah, something.
2: She's I mean, that's like I, yeah, never, like I never, I never put together that yeah. she was
0: that old or that or that, yeah. that young. Yes. Rather, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think only in the context of it being an adaptation of Emma. Yeah. Which during that time period, that age difference would not have been an issue right, at all. Right, sure. Right, right That's right. really the only thing well, that that's makes ind- it Romeo, Romeo
0: plus Juliet got that, and they were like, mm-hmm. make them the same age.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> make them the same age. The, that, and that age gap wouldn't make a difference if it was like, you know, five or six years later, and they're both right. in their 20s. Yeah. But it's like a, a college freshman dating a 10th grader
1: is weird yeah it's weird it should not that
3: should not be a thing that Mm -hmm. I and you would think that overprotective dad who knows both of them would be like he seems to be into it yeah he was like oh yeah he's a great guy good yay you
4: know
2: (laughs) (laughs) you're out of the will soundboard (laughs) Yeah. yeah at one point Cher goes to a party with Christian and It's like, oh, you're going to let her leave the house looking like that? that. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm going to go to the party. I'll I'll keep an eye out on <laughs> her.
1: Right. right. So, well, the dad has this smirk as Josh is right, leaving. Right. Like, he's like he's a like a knowing right, smirk.
3: Right. right exactly. He's like hmm. <laughs> something's brewing there. Yes. But um, that's even creepier too. Yes. That guy used to be his stepson. Yeah. But <laughs> like, it's just, he like, like roomed them. Well, he to even says he, a <laughs> a <man> he even <laughs> says too. He's like you daughter. divorce
0: daughter. wives, not children.
3: Oh, which and that's sweet. I get that. That's like
0: nice thing. So this is probably the weirdest for him out of everyone.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: so, any last res- like thoughts on share herself as a character?
3: Why didn't Alicia Silverstone become like the biggest star ever?
0: Batman and Robin.
3: Well, okay. Mm. Batman and Robin <laughs> killed
0: everybody's career except yeah. for George Clooney. He's the right. only one that got yeah, out of that no, movie. No, no, fair enough. Uma fair Thurman enough. got come comeback, but she still never really fully came back. Right, like she right. did kill Bill.
3: Because Alicia Silverstone is so
2: charming. She is.
3: In this role and she's
0: just... Access baggage.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I know and she's in me. a television show at the moment that oh, cool. just started this year or last year. Last year about uh, women in, I believe, the 70s and she gets a divorce and she starts like looking out for number one, which is her. <laughs> she was but in... But I forget what this is called. Oh, but she was in uh, Killing of K- a
0: Sacred Deer yes. last and she was year. Great in that too. And she's phenomenal and as that a yet. small side character. Right, that's And true. she's amazing in it.
3: I think she's great. I don't understand how she. She made... needs
0: like a sharp objects, big little lies yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. a mini series on HBO with a lot of publicity mm-hmm. to really sink her teeth into and show right, right. And, and how good of an to, actress she is. Because she's. Alicia Silverstone, the name is almost like a punchline at this point. Mm-hmm. And it really yeah. was hammered home from things like Clueless. And Batman and Robin, and then she got her start in an Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, right!
2: Oh, I almost forgot about yeah. that. That's why yeah. she got cast
0: for this. Do you know who was supposed to originally play Cher? No, who? Sarah Michelle Gellar.
2: Oh, that. I mean, I can. can see that being fitting too.
0: I like Sarah Michelle Gellar. We're looking at her Instagram, and we're just like, she has not aged a day. Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's not aging.
1: Follow her on Instagram, and I'm so shocked. Every time I see her because there is talk about a reboot, or um rather um, a continuation of the Buffy series now, because you know, at the end of the Buffy series the power of the Slayer was Easy. dispersed to end Well, come on. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. So there's a Let's continuation see. where there's apparently like a new Slayer. It's like Sarah Michelle Gellar looks so young, she could be in the reboot. <laughs> she should be the Slayer I'd love all a, over a, a again. a Buffy
0: like kind of like reboot, but continuation where sure. she is like is the, the Giles watcher. character. Mm. Yeah. yeah! Boom, 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 boom! Boom! Alright. Uh, <laughs> so uh, because it's your movie, oh, burn sure. any final thoughts on Cher?
2: I think uh, re-watching the film helped make me see again why I do think she's a strong female character. This movie definitely has issues. Absolutely. But I do think that for the time and especially that it was women written and directed is very telling to the strength of women in this film. I think there are good dudes too, but I think without the ladies, even Dion, Ty, Amber, uh, summer that you see briefly misguised. It's such a great female Movie mm-hmm. and although now in this time and day, if you were to say let your child watch this, you'd have to be like, here are the implications. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's a great film
0: mm-hmm.
2: and surprisingly timeless. Surprisingly, so. surprisingly it's, timeless for like yeah.
0: specifically the time that's that what it's I was commenting say. It's, on. It's yeah.
3: timeless and it's also it's such a product
0: of. 1995. It's like That's Jane Austen. Like, if this yeah. thing was written about, you know, the 19th century, you can read it now and go like, yeah, I get that.
3: Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's kind of
0: like, I don't even know if they meant to do that. Right. You know, like, Amy Heckerling is super fucking smart. Mm-hmm. And she knew what she was doing when she constructed this, but I don't even think she could have known, like, close to 25 years after the movie came out, that it would still be not only relevant, but just like, you can relate, it's relatable.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It made me miss the 90s. That fashion is
1: like right,
3: right. now again. Right. Yes. <laughs> the 90s are having a comeback. Well, that's everybody getting mad about the like 80s years nostalgia. Years that, that yellow, about to... The yellow plaid God. with the blazer and the skirt. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want that. Yeah. So I watched the...
2: this <laughs> I watched this show called The Venture Brothers. And in an episode that happened three weeks ago, there are two characters who have this makeover montage fantasy and they're dressed as Sharon Dion. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. In, in the checkered outfits. <laughs>
3: that's amazing. And it's amazing.
2: That's fantastic. Did
3: you yeah. know
1: that Dion, the actress, was 30 years old when she did this? Stacey movie?
3: Dash, who is a problematic person. She's kind of a
2: mess. She's a <laughs> problematic person. You guys just took person. the words like, right out of my <laughs> yeah. mouth before I could even st- I was like Dash, it
3: I is a, on this? Dash is a problem. No. <laughs> yeah. Stacey yeah it's cute let me, let me we shouldn't do yeah. you girl do you, do you
0: girl you've got fun yeah. there are people in better positions to be able to tell Stacey Dash what she shouldn't should, should not be <laughs> doing <laughs> um but yeah let's uh let's uh move on uh we're gonna move on to our final movie of today mm-hmm. uh Rhea you had you had picked the lovely darling of everybody's eye. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, tell, this, tell us uh, about
3: it. This is easily in my top five favorite movies of all time. Uh, Dirty Dancing, the story is, it's a family, the Houseman family. They're going up for a summer vacation at Kellerman's, which is a resort in the Catskills. This is a local movie for us. For us. For us, for, I don't know, you know. For me now,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so um tangent i worked at mohonk mountain house for four years i'm pretty sure that kellerman's is kind of a riff on mohonk that mm. sort of old-timey family resort you go up there you spend like a month and you do activities and it's kind of cheesy and it's kind of goofy but you, there's a leak. Um <laughs> and so so the husband family goes up there for their vacation um jerry orbach is the uh father of the family he's a doctor he's got two daughters lisa who's um you know the pretty one she's kind of dippy but she's cute she wears a lot of clothes she's um you know like she's the looker in the family and then the younger daughter whose name is francis but everyone calls her baby because she's the baby of the family played by jennifer gray um and baby is an idealist. She's about to go off to Mount Holyoke in the fall to study like international relations. She wants to change the world. This is the you know early sixties, early to
0: mid sixties, um, which I constantly forget when I watch this too. We were right. talking about this before, but I right. when I rewatched, it, I completely forgot that it takes place in the sixties, which makes way more sense. Right,
3: right, exactly. So, um, so they go up there, and baby has a lot of interesting encounters with people who work at the resort. And she kind of grows up into her own person. She grows out of being baby, um, you know? And so she she falls in love with Johnny Castle, who's a dance instructor, but she also befriends a number of other people who work there. Uh, Johnny's best friend is Penny. Um, they've been friends since childhood. Penny gets knocked up by this asshole named Robbie who also works there.
0: A lot of assholes. There's
3: a lot of assholes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: Um,
3: And, and you know, and Robbie is also dating Lisa for the course of the movie, Lisa baby's sister. Um, this movie has a little bit of everything. It's a coming of age story. It's a love story. It's a class story. You know, the people who vacation at Kellerman's are rich. The people who work in the entertainment staff at Kellerman's are working class and kind of, you know, viewed as like, Oh, you're the entertainment. You're the like, you know, whatever you're the riffraff. And then the people who work like the wait staff are um college, college boys. So Robbie is, I believe at Yale, he's going to be, Uh, I think he's studying to be a doctor, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? And so there's an element of like the wait staff are allowed to date the guests. The entertainment staff are not to even broach being social with the staff. It's like, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's an element of that. So the, so baby taking up with the head of the dance department is scandalous in its own right. Um, Then, Penny gets pregnant obviously is not going to keep the baby but it's
1: 1963 yes. right. so It so before JFK <clears throat> was shot wasn't that it was yeah it was right yeah, right, it was
3: right, before. right before JFK was shot mm-hmm. so it's like this it's the idea is this is an innocent time for mm-hmm. the country and for this family um so uh so Penny goes to a doctor in New Paltz to mm-hmm. get an abortion an illegal abortion which goes horribly wrong. And she almost bleeds to death in her cabin and baby finds out. And, uh, you know, Jake Hausman is a doctor. Her father's a doctor. So he, she goes and gets him and he basically saves Penny's life. And, but in the course of doing that, um, he realizes that baby's been hanging out with like the riffraff, and street rats yeah exactly scoundrels. yeah exactly and he's not happy about that oh and and baby had borrowed money from her dad to help penny pay for the abortion and he's like i'm not happy that you spent my money that way those are not the people i want you hanging out with cuz he's a dick cuz he's a dick um i, mean, he's a I think
1: he's a well meaning he's a well meaning right. yeah he's he's rich. he's, he's still set a dick. in his ways yeah. you
3: know yeah. and and so what ends up happening in the story is is you know baby in figuring out who she is she confronts her dad and says you know i wanted to help penny because you taught me that that's what being a good person is and now you've you know she's like i know i've disappointed you by you know doing stuff that you don't approve of but you've disappointed me too because you are implying to me that these people are not worth caring about Mm -hmm. and that's bullshit um, you know, and then there's and then Johnny gets fired because it comes out that he was seeing Baby. Um, you know, and then there's 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 the big uh, ending dance scene where you know, like Johnny has driven away in shame. He's been fired from his job. Ooh. It's like the best job he's ever had. And then he comes back he's, Han
0: Solo style.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and then he comes back at the you know, and Baby's sad. She's lost the love of her life. Um, but then Johnny comes back and he's like, I've always done the last dance of the season and I have a great dance partner now. Baby's learned how to dance, you know, in the process of the, of, of the movie. And dancing is like a, a visual metaphor for just her coming into her own as her own person. So, you know, so that's, that is the, uh, that is the basic framework for the story. Um, one of the things that blows my mind about this movie is that the entire, uh, climax of the plot centers around a botched illegal abortion.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, would this movie get made today?
0: today yeah sure sure Not are you sure, sure? people Not take as, you know people take risks and there's like independent studios that would do well, yeah like but this was a this big level. this was right. a
3: big studio you know he, and it was a huge blockbuster it made shitloads loads of money you know mm-hmm. so well, it
0: was kind of like a, it opened kind of small and then it yeah. was like a very word of mouth kind of blockbuster but right. it was like right you have to see this right. movie
3: right this is a stealth feminist film
0: Oh, absolutely. It is a
3: stealth feminist film. The story is almost it, this. I mean, like the love story between Baby and Johnny is is the overarching. You know, um, that's the that's the story. That's what but puts the butts
0: in the seats. Exactly,
3: but the this story is really about Baby and Baby figuring out who she is, and you know she's and she's a total badass in this movie. She like, you know, she 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 goes and hangs out with the entertainment staff even though she's been told oh, that's not really the way to do it. She, she carried she, the watermelon. She carried the watermelon <laughs> and that changed her life. Yeah. You know and then um, you know and she you know in the in the big scene where she and Johnny finally like come together she's the one who goes to his house and like because mm-hmm. he's, he's trying to keep her at arm's length because he doesn't want to lose his job and she's a little younger than him and he doesn't know if he's really like good for her and she goes to his house and seduces the fuck out of of him
2: yeah she does you
3: know like she just totally just totally does that mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's just it's she's just such a great strong female character yeah you know and it's like it's and this story is just it, it's it's just such a great story because of that and i also admire that johnny and penny are friends and there's never any hint of there was a romance. Baby's taking Johnny away from Penny.
0: Well, it's like because they used to be together at some point. Uh, yes.
1: Maybe.
3: It's but a little it, ambiguous. It, be, but it's it was ambiguous. Like, but when, like maybe when they were like kid, like
0: That's what I mean. I think kids. it was like it was like a you younger know? romance, right. but they grew out of it. Right. But they're, and professionals. they're, but they're professionals
3: and they're best friends. Yeah. You know, they're best friends. It is completely like she's trying to look out for him when she's like, you got to be careful if you're going to see... If you're going to see baby, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, like, that'll it's like put your a, job at risk, an you know.
0: inverse of like the theme of when Harry met Sal. Right. Where it's like men and women can't be friends because right. sex will always get in the way. It was right. like, well, men and women can't be friends once sex has gotten in the way. And that's not an idea anymore. It's like, no, you can. Right. If you're a, a good person and you got a rock hard name like Johnny Castle.
3: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's just very, very sweet. I think the relationship between Johnny and Penny is really sweet when they, totally. we discover that, that Penny finds out that she's pregnant. And he basically goes and he goes, I'm here. I'm here from you. I'm never going to let anything mm-hmm. bad happen to you. I it's I, like,
0: I think that Penny's subplot is like one of my favorite parts of the movie. And it's yeah. not just because of what it's dealing with and the fact that the actress that plays Penny is so good yeah, and so kind of like it's a thankless role. It is. It's also because of what that story does in forming Johnny and Baby's individual stories and their stories together. It teaches us Baby wanting to do the things for Penny that she does and reacting the way she does teaches us about Baby. Johnny acting the way that he does when these things are happening to Penny teaches us about Johnny so that when Johnny and Baby finally do start getting that romanticizing on you're kind of right. like these are two very good selfless people right who are kind of caught up in this like extravagant hierarchy of right. like class warfare and stuff we right. were talking about right yeah. right,
3: exactly uh, if I didn't mention it before Johnny Castle's played by Patrick Swayze <laughs> oh, the Swayze perfect, perfect sways. posture yeah
1: Perfect. Perfect. He is the just carriage. I don't, oh, that nice. I don't neck. know who I'm more attracted nice to. No, that's a <laughs> fair point. <laughs> <boy. laughs>
0: it's like I am a I'm a very straight heterosexual male with like an imagination. Uh but like, you know, I, I watch this and I'm just like, I would rather take Patrick Swayze out on a night for a yeah. couple of drinks.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And Jennifer like, Grey. Mm jennifer gray ain't no nothing no
1: well i'll
3: I'll say one of the other things that i really admire about this movie is jennifer gray obviously very cute not conventionally attractive Mm -mm. she's she's cute she's kind of funny looking um you know she's a little awkward and she ends up with patrick swayze that's she's like jennifer
0: gray is like the the ideal like physically manic pixie dream girl Physically, not personality-wise. Okay. We're just like, oh, that's not the first thing like that you would think. Like, oh, that is a very attractive, like deeply attractive person. Right. And I don't know, right? Like,
3: <laughs> no, she's attractive. I'm getting You know, like this was this was a movie they were considering. She's young. They were considering Sarah Jessica Parker for the role, um, which would have been no. not great, but another, you know, like they huh, were clearly thinking of. Women who are beautiful, but not model, symmetrical, beautiful. Like right. they wanted Baby to be like a unique, unique looking, unique personality. She's somebody Johnny has never, ever, ever encountered before.
4: Mm-hmm. She's
3: like nobody he's ever met. That's part of what makes him fall in love with her is like she's, she's an intellectual and she's good and she put herself out there to help him and his best friend and she, doesn't care about, the, and you know, and in and, and the big scene where he gets fired, it's because he's been accused of stealing someone's wallet, stealing a guest's wallet, and his alibi was, oh, I was in my room reading, and he's, you know, they're like, no, nah, that's because not what you were doing. Right, and she was like, and she's like, well, no, I'm going to step up and say the truth, which is, no, he couldn't have stolen that guy's wallet because he was with me. And it's like she, again, she puts herself out there on the line thinking that she's going to save his job, which, of course, he got fired because he was sleeping with a guest. But, you know, she's somebody that's one of the things that he really finds admirable about her is that she will stand up for what she believes is right. She will stand up for the people she cares for, even if it means, you know, even if it means putting her own status at jeopardy. And so it's like you know, and she's she's literally like she's she he he's never met anyone like her. She's not what he was expecting, and it she was rocks like his world.
0: exactly yeah. <laughs> Bernadette. Yeah, I
2: it. I love the scene where she and Johnny have slept together for probably the second or third time, and they're laying in bed, cool. and she <laughs> she does <laughs> she does uh, ask him, well, how many women have you had?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not a question that she. Puts out there with any form of jealousy, which I think she's is, like. She's, she's like kind of
3: amused. With it. She's yeah. like, she's yeah. like, I gotta know. Yeah, I curious. Just
1: gotta know. <laughs> right? Do we think? This was her first. I think we're supposed to. We're totally supposed to. so casual about it. She That's is. what makes the seduction yeah. scene so like well, she's, she's in charge. She's in charge. She's having
0: the time of her, her life. life.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and she, she asks Johnny, and Johnny says, Well, it's not something I want to talk about. You don't understand what it's like working here. Women are throwing themselves at me all the time, and they're throwing me money and their room keys. And she says, oh, well, I get it. You know, you were using them. And he makes that confession to her, which he probably had never made to anyone in the past. Including and said, himself. Right. And right. he said, no, uh, they were using me. Yeah. And she is the first person, other than maybe his close group of friends, who sees him. Not only as a romantic interest, but as a person. Mm, right. And wants to take care of him. Right.
0: It's and a good role moment, reversal of like the genders of like, right. you know, oh, he sleeps with all these girls. He's so cool. He must feel so cool. And he's actually like, no, I feel like, worn thin. like, like degrading. Like it's really, I'm not yeah. worth anything, right? It's yeah. totally
1: right. A, an awakening moment too, because he goes from this cool, suave, I can get any sort of gal guy because of my gyrating hips too. I'm a very emotional person, and I want you to tell your dad about me. You- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I stay home at night and I read. That's my alibi. Right, right.
1: I want your dad hmm. to put his arm around me like he did with Robbie. Uh, to,
0: to, again, to make sure that I can get this one little piece of trivia in there, and this is a very quick one. The dad is from Law & Order
4: Orbach yeah. yep. oh yeah. yeah
0: but fuck that he's the voice of Lumiere oh of course in Beauty yes. and the Beast yes. oh. which I did not he's know he's a talking oh.
3: yep, he's yeah. a talking candlestick he's
0: not just in Beauty and the Beast all like the three or four like weird musical sequels that they've made he's, he's there he's Lumiere he's <laughs> back on like oh, oh of course God. You yeah. book the date. I'm yeah. in the booth.
1: Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, a like huge French accent, phenomenal.
0: Broadway he sounds nothing actor. like him.
4: <laughs>
3: he was in like he was in 42nd Street, like the original 42nd Street on Broadway. Mm. He's like got wow. a huge. I mean, that's the thing. He's got a huge stage pedigree. Jennifer Grey, obviously, her father's Joel Grey, another like big, huge stage actor. Like, there's some really big, big names a- attached to this, you know, and I think. It, it's over the years gotten the reputation as like, oh, the fluffy chick flick and Patrick Swayze doesn't man, wear his this shirt. This movie has like a lot like of chick so, it's so much going it's on. So, it's, there's a lot. This there is it's probably it's the dark. most
0: feminist movie of these, of these, yeah, of oh, these for four. Sure. Which like, yeah. Clueless has a lot of like feminism yeah. empowerment going on. It's
2: right. feminist light. But to this goddamn movie, yeah.
0: like you said, Rhea, at the beginning, yeah. this is just like, it is a covert you know, yeah. like, black and green makeup on the face, crawling right. in, like, like, oh, you thought this was a movie about dancing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: No. And Impossible Waistlines? No. It's about <laughs> a girl who is about to go into the Peace Corps. Right. Her sister, you know, prim and proper, ribbon always in her hair, and this girl's, her hair is, like, kind of always Big a Big, curly mess. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, it's someone you wouldn't necessarily think as, like, the major lead in this romantic movie, but mm-hmm. the romance is saw so it's a as an aside almost to this very serious conversation we're having, and you had brought up Rhea about could this be done now? Mm-hmm. The the gravity the climate in the eighties in regards to abortion was still kind of like eh. yeah, and this is only twenty years after the fact that the movie is supposed to be based in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in the eighties it's like. Holy shit! This is still really heavy stuff. We still don't necessarily want to talk about it. It's kind of still taboo. But today,
0: well, it nineteen sixty three. This was like Roy versus Wade. Uh, uh, I, I
1: forget when that case, I took, when place.
0: That case took place. Right, but, but like this is like
3: this is pre that. This is right. I mean, right that's right, why. No, that's what I mean. That's it's, why Penny had to go and like find like this shady doctor. Quote, unquote, right. That's what I mean. Doctor. Yeah. I think Reed, a this is a real another MD very. Yeah, like
0: um,
1: with a rusty knife and a folding table. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like
3: Johnny's cousin. What's his name?
0: Which is Billy. so horrifying. That yeah, exactly. Like how all the actors <clears throat> act so naturalistically in that, like the yeah. friend just being just like had a folded table and a rusty knife, man. Right. I could like, hear her
3: screaming. Like I
0: Patrick Swayze, hear he's like I Swayze hear a is scream like, from
3: outside. I tried to get in and I couldn't. And yeah. like yeah,
0: Patrick Swayze in this movie, like his delivery of these lines is like. John Travolta deserves an Academy Award for his performance in Greece mm-hmm. for what Patrick Swayze does with some of these lines in this. I'm saying that Patrick Swayze is not very good at this accent that he's doing in mm-hmm. this.
3: <laughs> oh, that kind of but weird... It's, like. it's very cheesy, like,
0: over-the-top 60s, just yeah. like, everybody's always, you know, look down on me in the streets.
3: Is he supposed, to, to, like, to. Is he supposed to be like some weird, like, is that supposed Creaser to be Queens thing. or yeah. something? Yeah, I think he's I supposed know. to be it's like a, a weird kid. Yeah, yeah, it's like miscellaneous...
0: Who, like, apparently goes to the gym five hours right, a day. exactly. Like,
3: but it's like miscellaneous outer borough, like... I couldn't place... I can't place where Johnny is supposed to be He's from. He's from the streets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. The poor ass Street rap, right, riffraff,
3: right, scoundrel. Right.
1: Someone found me and taught me to dance. One of my favorite <laughs> things in the movie, too, is like...
3: If there's any ambiguity that we're supposed to hate Robbie it's the scene when he's talking with Baby about how some people count and some people don't and he gives her a copy of the Fountainhead. Oh yeah. And he's like read it, it'll change change your life and you're like ah, this fucking guy, I know this guy.
0: guy." Robbie's are notoriously (laughs) bad people.
2: But no, I love this movie. I think uh, that last scene where Baby is seeing Johnny off Mm -hmm. in his vehicle, just both of them holding it together so maturely and that sequence of. Right.
3: They're like, all right, I guess
2: this is it. I guess this is it. And knowing that, like, this is their one true love. And then to have that recaptured later on is yeah. wonderful, of course. It's like when Luke and Han say
0: goodbye to each other.
2: Yeah.
0: It's the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then he shows up. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Yeah. yeah.
2: But the fact that this movie is all about giving females agency in their body. Is yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. As you said earlier, using dancing as the visual metaphor, using Penny's body and baby's body mm-hmm. and showing the power women have right. and can have. Right. Right. And yeah, it's kind of funny. When I first saw this movie, I was younger, and I was like, oh, dirty dancing. Of course, everyone dances that way now. But then to realize, you know, (laughs) back in 1963, women were not told that they can do that type of thing with their body. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a whole
0: subplot in the movie where it's like Patrick Swayze loves dancing, and it's his way of of expressing himself and his individuality and his freedom. Sure. And he's like... Oh yeah, I thought maybe we could do like I got this little Cajun, Cajun yeah. thing that yeah, I thought he's, like I trying do. to do some like and um, Neil Dick, Dick Wad McGee, whatever his name is. Neil his, Neil Dick Neil <laughs> he's, <laughs> just, he's, he's just the, like he's now. the grandson That's of the guy the who owns the, the resort. Or yeah, and he's like
3: he's like he's like whoa, you're getting you're like way in over your head there, boy. And it's like what the fuck is the matter with yeah, you? That guy's You've a got like a dance like like a fucking. Artist dancer who wants mm-hmm. to do something innovative and well, he's it's like, a, it's a, you know.
0: overprivileged, class warfare, entitlement, shit like that's right. still going on right now in well, 2018. No, 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 for Imagine sure. what it was like in 1963. No, for yeah. sure. My for daddy sure. owns the golf course, well, that's right? Literally, <laughs> I mean, sure. he had a little segment
1: with Baby when he was trying to impress, you know, Dick Wad McGee. He was trying to impress <laughs> Baby by saying, Yeah, last week I took a lady from uh, the lifeguard because uh, I have two hotels or whatever. Yeah, he was Oh yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Exactly.
3: it's like, yeah, it like, What is what is what he have that I don't have I have two hotels yeah
1: and
0: yeah it's yeah like, like, <laughs> doesn't cool. he po- no, doesn't cool, he posit that she's <laughs> the one that said it
1: yeah he said yeah. That he says she said that she said, said oh yeah two right.
0: hotels and it's like buddy
3: but yeah, she yeah. I don't know what's worse dinner. that or the
0: fountainhead like, the fountain
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're both bad fucking both ayn bad guys, Ryan, yeah. Ryan, Rand yeah. fan um yeah it's it's yeah there's just there's a lot of there's a lot in this movie beyond just like shirtless
0: Patrick Swayze, and you
3: know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that's that's enough. En- that's enough. But you know, and then
0: this one also has it also has really good lessons on top of it. Like I read this one review that I'll I'll actually link in uh, uh, our post on our website at storyscreenbeacon.com for this podcast. Cause I read this review cause I do research and I try to get multiple ideas of like, where were people thinking about this? I, my favorite thing is to try and find people that don't like the movie mm. and read their reviews. Rotten Tomatoes is like great for that. It's the only thing that it's actually really good for mm-hmm. and high def posters. Um, <laughs> but it, I, I, I really love, I lost it.
1: Oh, it's gone. It's okay. what was I
0: saying? Um, I got rotten, on the Rotten Tomatoes you're good, thing. Rotten
1: Tomatoes, you're reading reviews. People who don't like the movie. You like finding people who don't you like, like find finding
0: people who people don't people like the dead. movie. I was reading review. Yeah.
2: We were talking about Neil Dickhead McGee. Yeah, Dickhead
0: McGee, Dick, Dick Wad Dick McGee, Dick Wad McGee, Dickhead McGee is Robbie with the fountainhead. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> um. Fuck, guys. That's oh, all goodness. Goodness. It's all gone. It's
2: all <laughs> let, let me say this while you think about it. It was
0: really it. interesting. <laughs> I'm
3: sure it
1: was. You're going to link think, it, apparently. Yeah. you were going to yeah. link
3: it, yeah. i my
2: staycation.
3: <laughs> <laughs> drinking,
1: it was a thing that, that you were going to link. You had like a married. review a
3: review you were going to link or
1: something? Yeah.
0: I just can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's how awesome it was.
1: It doesn't. You'll find it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you'll think of it as we're all driving home. 3
1: a.m. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my
2: favorite thing about baby especially throughout the whole film is every time that any fake romance comes into play she just laughs like mm. she thinks that the fake romance of the dancing with the aspect of like the hand caressing her all the oh, way down yeah. oh yeah oh, yeah, she was, yeah, she yeah, just, yeah she just yeah. can't she just handle just like, it Tee-hee-hee. that's and apparently <laughs> yes
3: i got it yeah Ooh, i got it Okay. Yeah. Uh, got it. <laughs> uh, it was
0: um uh i read a review um about uh by a woman who wrote about Dirty Dancing, it was like the day after Patrick Swayze passed away. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was talking about Dirty Dancing and how it like like formed who she was as a woman in her early womanhood. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about her mother brought her and her younger sister to go see Dirty Dancing because it was like this blockbuster phenomenon. And, she, and her mom just thought it was this dancing movie. And she goes in there and she's like, I've talked to my mother since then about like, why did you take us to go see that movie now that we know what it is? And you not knowing what it was, like, did you not know that it was like this, like, she's like, her mother was like, oh, I thought I was just bringing you guys to like a fun dancing movie where Patrick Swayze is not wearing a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know that it was going to be talking about uh, consent and agency and rape and abortion and all of these things. There's definitely a bunch of like, um, uh, electric complex in there mm. as well too. There's oh, no electric of course, complex. Of course,
3: yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like the, the female yeah, version of yeah, that yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's yeah,
3: because d- Jake is, the Dr. Hausman is like the ideal, she says At in the opening open montage, I thought yeah. I would never find a guy as good as my dad. Mm-hmm. As she drapes her arms yeah. around him. Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. and then that's and that's the And then, of then the, the dancing conflict. scene
0: where it's like, the next person that you dance with, you'll be with for the rest of your life, and right. she like reaches for the dad. But then like Jeez. Dick wobb McGee like kind of comes in. Well no, and then Penny,
1: no, Penny, grabs Penny, the grabs the oh, Penny grabs
3: the Penny grabs the dad. Penny grabs the dad. The next right. that will be the man and of your she, dreams. Mm-hmm. And pe- and then of course later on he oh, Dr. Yeah, Houseman and oh saves her my life. Oh god, mm-hmm. amazing. It's like and this can we also, beautiful moment of foreshadowing. Yeah. Can we
0: also respect how baby uh is not intimidated or jealous? of penny no in right. any way no. she
3: thinks she Penny's awesome her. she thinks she's
0: awesome yeah and, and she wants her. to be friends yeah and, but she is not intimidated at all like really the only intimidation comes from like she's kind of interested in this guy she saw and now she's like oh i guess he's with her well she must be cool if yeah. that guy is with her right and then she starts to figure it out and like there's right. never any there's none of that like Women competing with women, kind of thing. Right. There's none oh, of right. that exactly. Penny is just like, I don't like you because you're rich.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. And yeah. you don't know who and I. And you don't know am. who mm-hmm. I am. And your you and your
3: name yeah. is baby. Like really. Like yeah. that's that. She's like they call you baby. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea what my life is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know she she baby surprises them all by being like super helpful and I'll help pay for your abortion. She and carried all. the watermelon. Oh, yeah. right. That too. Well, that's like, and you know, like I'll step in and sub for you for this like no, no, really important show. No, this really important gig that Johnny and Penny had that they couldn't, they had to do it. Otherwise they would lose the opportunity to get it in the future. But Penny had to have her abortion at the same. She's like, all right, I'll step in. I'll learn how to do it. And then she and Penny become friends in that process. And Penny's like, you know, you're really like, you're helping us out of a really shitty situation in multiple
0: ways. And you didn't
3: have to. And you didn't have to. And that's like, you know,
0: that's, I think, uh, not to put Diana out on the spot, but Diana, uh, The love of my life uh i don't uh she came down to the tv because the tv is downstairs (laughs) she came down to the tv um when i was watching dirty dancing and she watched a little bit with me and she was like you know actually i don't think i've ever seen this whole movie i think i've seen parts of it but now that i'm watching it she's like what's going on right now and i was like penny penny has to get an abortion that's the movie. Yeah. That's what the movie's about. Yeah. And she was like, that oh, I don't answer. I don't think that I've seen all this. And I explained to her like the very soap opera sounding melodramatic mm-hmm. circumstances that these characters are finding themselves in. And she's like, whoa, I didn't know that that's what this movie was about. Right. So and that's like Dirty Dancing is like this iconic movie that even if you haven't fully seen it or retained exactly what happened, if you saw it when you were younger, you still think that you... Know what it was about, right. and that's because you remember the dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patrick Swayze's abs, the lift. Patrick Swayze's the lift. triceps, the lift. Patrick Swayze's biceps, <laughs> Patrick Swayze's shoulders, right? Patrick Swayze's face, it's
1: perfect neck,
0: Jennifer Grey's perfect nose. Yeah, not to oh. go there, oh. not to oh. go there. Pre surgery, don't have to Pre-surgery. just say I didn't want to be the one to drop it, but well, she, I no.
3: mean, like she's she'd be the first one to agree with us that that's yeah. the, that
0: was the biggest mistake, mistake. of her life. The but. first one. Oof I think uh, she never the entire American culture of the eighties is the first one to say no.
3: Well, yeah. she she didn't she, do much. She after didn't that, do right? much she, yeah. she because she got the nose job and then she stopped getting cast in things. I mean, nobody she pretty much took, they were I like nobody recognized there.
0: her. I don't know. Like that's a really touchy subject that, you know. Well, but she, I was more kind of joking towards. No, but
3: she like she's said this in interviews like she got a nose job and then people didn't recognize her, so she would go and she's read for things and they'd
0: be like, what? You know. She yeah. Is. I pulled up this picture.
3: Yeah, she doesn't look like herself.
0: Of, of what she looks like today. Yeah. After. She's cute, it's like, but
3: it doesn't she look looks like cute, her. But
0: it's like, that that's does not, not look but like that's Jennifer, not not Jennifer Grey. This is her IMDb picture. This yeah. isn't like I dug yeah. for this.
3: yeah. But I'm but I'm And I'm she's like, still
0: like amazing and you can see it in the eyes because yeah. she really does have like those very she, cute, warming eyes, right. which yeah. is what lends right. to the sexuality of yeah, her role I mean, in this the movie. She
2: kind of looks like this, Lily Tomlin. Right.
1: The longing look she would give him as he's like tussling her body around. She's just staring at him with such trust mm-hmm. and and love. Well, when you, you guys watch eyes. this movie mm-hmm.
0: as women, mm-hmm. who do you place your POV on?
2: Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey,
0: because she's the main character she's the of main the movie. Character. I do that as yeah. well, yeah. and what? I'd imagine like some some men would maybe put themselves on like the Patrick Swayze. I'm like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't dance like that, and I don't have those amazing triceps, shoulder blades, <laughs> biceps. We've been there. Abs. Uh, abs. The abs are the just The abs
3: like are like... Perfect. Hair,
0: it's like hair. a nice, trim, 0.3% body fat. It's like <laughs> so trim. It's not An overhang perfect.
1: on the upper lip. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little like a little,
4: little, little pouty. Yeah, the yeah. whole time. Yeah.
1: That's another thing that I just want to touch on really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is touch very important. On. Because... You know, I'm sure you've all heard about the fact that he did not like Jennifer. They did, they did not, not get like along. Each other. No. So when there were those kissing scenes, they were just little pecks. Mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. full on I am in love with you kissing, just like and I just
0: Aww. I just kept thinking yeah. about
1: that the whole time. Every time I saw them kiss, like, thank you. Which I think, you know that, I know think that? It really works
0: because then you get that <laughs> big kiss at the end. Right. And it's all been kind of, like, repressed. Yeah, and it now
3: it's like they can do it open. Right.
0: everything <coughs> has been metaphor through dancing and, like, shadow. Oh, it's red, so, so what they're scene- doing is criminal. Or, <laughs> yeah.
3: Right. So that scene that Bernadette mentioned earlier where she's, like, they're doing the, the fake romance of the dance act and she's giggling. Mm-hmm. That fun behind-the-scenes trivia, Mm -hmm. wasn't scripted. Um, Jennifer Grey was just very ticklish. Ah. And so they kept doing take after take of this thing, and she would just bust out laughing because he was, like, she was ticklish and it was tickling her. (laughs) And there's, like, you can see in that montage, Patrick Swayze, like, Johnny is getting annoyed because she keeps giggling, that's not Johnny getting annoyed. That is Patrick <laughs> Swayze, who's already, like, not Jennifer Gray's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just want this scene to be over. And yeah. she's... So, like, the irritation you see in Johnny's face, that is Patrick Swayze being annoyed at Jennifer Grey. I, I
0: definitely want to go on the record here, too, as because mm-hmm. I looked into that. And they... Came to terms and became friends by the end by the, of the Yeah, shoot. yeah. Because they didn't like each other pretty much from the get-go. Right. And the chemistry that they had when the casting department was casting everybody. Right. Made them go like, well, I guess we better tussle it out and try and, I think the story and, try and do it. They and were by non- the end of it, they got right. through it because they were both like, it's kind of like in when Harry met Sally. Yeah. <laughs> it's They go through all of this shit. Of it just wasn't going love at first sight. It wasn't
3: love at first right. sight for either but of But they learn yeah.
0: so much from one another right. because they're just like, I'm just going to be completely just like, open and honest about how right. I feel about this. I don't like you.
4: Right. They mm-hmm. know
0: that I don't like you and they know that you don't like me and I know that. Yeah. And I think over the course of like the four month long shoot, yeah. they slowly just started becoming then, like, oh, well, wasn't that funny when too, you were super ticklish and I was getting right. annoyed.
3: <laughs> the story there too was like there was one particularly bad day where the two of them were just like bickering on set the whole time and they're like, oh, fuck this person or whatever.
0: That's the one I And then day. I
3: And then I think like the director... And the casting director pulled them aside and they were like, Hi, we're gonna make you guys watch your screen test with each other. Yes. Oh. Watch the screen test. And they watched it and they were like, oh shit. All right, we're gonna try to get famous. Like, we're this, gonna you know? make you <laughs> like guys
0: famous. Yeah. Like, there's no way that yeah. the charisma yeah, they that were you like, guys are putting right, on screen. Right. They like, were like,
3: they were like, watch this and try to pretend that it's not you you're watching, and just watch these two actors and their chemistry together and the two of them were like oh shit
0: yeah like you guys are going to be <sighs> you know? icons of the summer if not for the next 30 years as long as you don't get a nose job everything's <laughs> gonna be fine and patrick so swayze was like it. absolutely and jennifer gray was like what was the last part and they were like all right come on we gotta go to this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh <Right>. uh, <laughs> shit <laughs> well i kind of want to touch on too a little bit about how um because birds you said that uh you forgot that it was in the 60s. Oh yeah. And I think the fact that they incorporated very 80s songs. That's, that's unfortunate. Then, that's yeah. unfortunate. The I think that's really unfortunate. Too. Because it's got
3: a really great 60s, like the all the sixties music that's on the soundtrack is fantastic.
2: And I think a lot of the '80s music is non diegetic except for that last scene. Mm. Right. That's the right. only That's one. That's the only where one. The music is diegetic. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which takes you kind of out of it. Right.
3: Because yeah. it's like he, they somehow they have a record with this very '80s sounding song on it, yes. and they
1: put and it on. And he knows all the words, Pepsi Swaggy. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Right, right. I mean the one scene too where she's well, dancing Well, no, when he's singing the, the words, the that's
0: an older song.
1: Is it? That's from Which the song. He's the, singing. The song I had the
0: time of
3: my life. Is, no, time of my life is was written for the film.
0: No, I know that. That's not the song that he's yes. singing to her. And
3: I owe it all to you. No, you're, then then you're thinking of the other song. You're thinking of the. You're thinking of the earlier scene. You're thinking of the Mickey. Yes, Mickey and Sylvia. Yes. Um. No, that's from the '60s. That's like a novelty record from the '60s. So
0: fucking weird that they do that in this movie. Oh yeah, that yeah. like weird
3: role play thing.
0: Time, no, 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 just the time oh, of your life. Like, oh, we're talking about that, And it's like, yeah. wait, it's 1963. That's probably why I forget. 100%. Yeah,
1: because yeah. that's and not her, a 60s like, song. And her like short denim shorts and her tight pink leotard. Yeah. That's like iconic 80s, 80s for that yeah. movie. That is so 80s. Right. Yeah. And it's like, girl, yeah, what the, <laughs> the only Where's
0: The only thing your that's 60s about this movie is that there's only like, what, zero black people?
2: There are two black people, black
4: people oh, yeah. in the
3: entertainment staff. <laughs> there are no black waiters. They're the riffraff. You're That's right, terrible. The the street rats? <laughs> yes. The yeah. scoundrels? Yes, the exactly. Yeah, and the reality. conductor, yeah. Yeah. Who, and who top dances. It's so bad. terrible. I was like, bad. who would
2: sit for a
1: dinner show and enjoy this today? Well, too. it's like,
2: why did you hire someone who's, like, one of two scenes is tapped into Yeah, I know. It's like, can't do
4: really,
0: it. Really, really. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's yeah. like the owner and he gets up there and he's like, oh, can, you, yeah. can you believe, look at me. I'm, this I'm, is already, look at his hands. Blah,
4: blah, blah.
3: It's terrible. No, but the thing is like, aside from the like, completely anachronistic 80s music on the soundtrack, if you like, pretend that doesn't exist, except for a time <laughs> of your life, which I maintain is one of the best songs, best movie themes Ever. Oh, I've yeah. had a time in my life. Oh, but yeah. like this, all of the 60s songs on that soundtrack are great. They Do are. Do You yeah. Love Me? The whole scene at the party when she shows up with the watermelon and there's there. That's like an amazing song. It's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. That's one absolutely. of the best scenes
0: in yeah. cinema history. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. they yeah, yeah. walking
0: up there and like the way the guy opens his opens carrying, He's carrying, two, he's carrying two, two of them and he opens. Almost drops the second one like five times. And yeah. you're like, I can't believe that actor was able to yeah. get that. And then you get in there and it's just like this, like red and pink. pink and, and, yeah. just and they're gyrating. they're gyrating. And everybody is so is debaucherous. And just, everyone's
1: having sex with their There's no yeah.
0: tomorrow. Like yeah. Get, I love it.
4: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: And also, we got. Uh, She's like the wind. Patrick Swayze's very own.
3: She's like the wind. That's the worst song on the
2: thing. <laughs> oh, I really enjoy that song. Yeah,
3: it's. I mean, like. I mean, like a forever. I'm Patrick right Swayze. there with you.
0: You're in. I'm not it? gonna. No. I'm uh, completely there with you. What yeah. about hungry I get.
3: eyes? Hungry eyes is great hungry too. eyes. I don't mind hungry eyes, even though that's very. It's, it's over the montage of of baby learning the the, it's great song. the dance. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: so weird. It's a great song. I have terrible taste in music.
3: That's okay. Or or
0: do I have the best taste? Yeah, in or yeah. Am because I just, you can I just rarely like show game. me a song that I won't go. That's really cool.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was talking very about very discerning
1: about movies, not so much about music. Very right. discerning, <laughs> about me. even
0: with movies. Like in movie clicks, I'm I'm frowned upon. They're like, oh, you're you're, well, t- then- t- you're too nice to movies. I'm like,
1: oh,
4: fuck, I'm like, nice like I fucking like things I like things.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm, like, kind of a depressed person, and I get a real optimistic vibe out of, like, escaping through a movie, regardless if it's Toy Story or fucking Deliverance. Like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Ariana Grande's new album, Sweetener. I like her. Yeah, it's a fucking. I really I mean, like her. I really like her, too. We were talking, we were about, talking it about that yeah, earlier, yeah, Yeah. But her new album, Sweetener, is so fucking good. And it's so radio poppy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's every song is made to be a radio hit. It's which is it's a
1: banger, bad, <laughs> which is
0: bad and good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, there's some shit. In the, the, the Pete Davidson title track one was mm. fucking it's so good.
3: Yeah, the one that's just She's, called
0: Pete. It's called Pete Davidson. It's
3: called Pete Davidson. Oh yeah, <laughs> my minute. god, that's it's pretty great. delightful. Oh, I don't want I don't want to get
0: off on too much of a tangent with it. But like, I, especially when I watch movies from the '80s, like all that music is stuff that I just the Do You Love Me. Holds a special so place in my heart because my parents so had these CDs, these compilation CDs called Toga Rock and Toga Rock 2. Oh and it was Toga Rock and it was like a bunch of kids, it's toga supposed party. to be kids yeah. like in toga <laughs> parties because <laughs> of Animal House and stuff like that. Ah, and it was all totally these like, totally right? And like some meat you on that, and all that stuff, yeah. yeah. And I, I just have like a close personal relationship with these songs that are on that compilation. Like uh, sure. Beatles' um, White Album, mm-hmm. my parents would always play at house parties because it was like the wacky one, Rocky Raccoon, Obla Di O Da. Whenever I hear those... That's the Beatles album I hate I can't, I cannot judge the White Album on like character and talent alone. Well, no, because it's it has nostalgic a sympathy- me, No, I No, I totally get but that. But it's like I a totally type of nostalgia that. that's like, it's cutting. It's not yeah. that like... Oh, I liked E.T., and I i grew up in the 80s and the 90s, so I like watching people ride around on bikes and talk about movies before the internet existed, and it makes me feel good and nostalgic of a time. Right. This is like, it hits my pleasure nodule. Oh,
3: yeah, no, I know exactly what nodule? you mean. Nodule? Your did pleasure, your, your hippocampus yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, My pleasure hippocampus. Your pleasure, the thing in your brain oh, that's about pleasure. Means. No, What's this module? is like, this is how I, even...
0: module, did I mean module? Module?
3: No. no, you didn't mean that. No, I
0: didn't mean
3: no. that. Like I'm a musician, people give me shit for liking you too, but I like you too, exactly what you're describing is why I like you too. It's like, I learned, you know, like I first heard them, it was a time and place, I was was a certain age it was high school there was heavy stuff going on yeah no i i get it i I get where you're coming from
1: coldplay you know nobody Mm. likes newer coldplay stuff but i like the old i like parachutes sure i like Mm. it and yellow (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah, i like one song from those
1: bands
2: (laughs) i like yellow
0: from coldplay and i like uh with or without you for a great song top five songs ever made yeah i don't even like you two
3: not that they're bad no, no, no,
0: never no, got no, it's into okay. him, but I can yeah. still admit that With or Without You is A one of the top five songs song. ever made.
3: Amazing song. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about
0: you two right now? Uh, I don't know. Uh. Do it's
3: because I'm in the room. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dirty
4: dance. <pants, laughs>
0: because I'm on staycation. <laughs> can my, I, can I say albums. that uh,
2: Baby, what I really, really like about her is that she comes forward and says, I know what my strength is, and my strength is my wealth. And my ability to help in this situation, Mm -hmm. I understand that that is how I come across and that that is kind of my crutch in this moment. But I'm trying to gain strength through other things. Mm -hmm. Please let me. Right. And please let me move past what you see I've been given. And -hmm. I think that's great. She says, yeah, I know. It was really hard running to daddy. Mm -hmm. And Patrick said, no, it, it was really hard for you to run to your
1: dad. And I appreciate you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so much more compromising the relationship with the father, which was such a strong relationship, right. was a serious, um, serious giving.
3: Yeah. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. For both of them. For both. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. Like when they both realize, like, you're not you're not the who person I thought you I were. Thought you were yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. right. There's a really great and I'm not like a big fan fiction person, but somebody sent me this a while ago. Somebody wrote fan fiction of like what happens to baby and Johnny after the movie and it's really really like weirdly beautiful i'll send it to you guys maybe we can okay. tag it in the thing it's like weird it's like it's is short vignettes of like what happens to the two of them and it's like you know baby who's now francis and will never be baby ever again ah. you know and she goes to law
0: school and whatever, nobody puts and francis like, in the corner doesn't yeah. it? So <laughs> no, exactly
3: <laughs> exactly um Which yeah not I, a I mean like, she was in the corner of the room. Kind of. No, she was she's sitting against in, the wall. Well, she was also cast well, you can't she's say, in the corner of the table. Okay? Nobody puts baby in against the wall against behind the, the table. I get <laughs> I will <laughs> send Yeah. No, I'll send, I'll send you this. I'm not a fan fiction person, but I read this and I was like, I'm getting a little teary. Oh, this is really beautifully really? done. Yeah, yeah oh, it's really, really beautifully done. It spoke to you. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: I won't read Catching the Rye, but I'll read the fuck out of
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better than Catcher in the Rye.
0: Um... Alright, let's let's uh wrap it up here real quick. What else do we have to say about Dirty baby dancing. slash Francis and right. Dirty Dancing? Stamper, you got anything? Well,
1: what I appreciate about her and perhaps the dichotomy of her romantic endeavors versus her sisters was how not detached per se, and not necessarily not necessarily aloof but she had this maturity that her older sister did not. Mm-hmm. So she had already been there, done that in terms of the V card and, you know, actually finding out what true love could potentially be. Whereas her sister's thinking, you know, in the middle of the night, tonight might be the night with Rodney. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have these glimpses into what that relationship had been throughout the movie. Um, Baby and uh, Johnny, or, you know, Or out by the water or whatever. And out come uh, the sister and Robbie and the sister's pulling up her shawl and she's like, I really wish you hadn't done that. And Robbie's just so blasé and saying, oh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, this is just me being a man and you're not giving it to me. Because later on, too, Robbie says to baby, oh, I guess I chose the wrong sister. So the sister remains so unbelievably, I won't even say naive ignorant to the reality of what this guy wants from her. She's thinking of this.
0: Doesn't she say something? She says something like,
1: If we come back here for our 20th anniversary, like she's she's thinking about marriage and baby's thinking about the reality of this is me in the summer in this moment right now. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing to change these people's lives. I'm changing too. She
3: has that incredible speech when she goes and seduces Johnny in the cabin where she's like, I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of who I am and what I saw, but I'm like mostly afraid of leaving and never feeling this again. This again, feeling what I feel when I'm with you. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, like what that's you're like saying about love. like right. right and what you're saying about like this is summer and this is what I'm doing and it's not this about this is
1: what I want for me as right. a person and not I'm not going to romanticize what this could potentially be I'm gonna live what this is right now yeah. right so I, I would have to say that baby is extraordinarily strong in the fact that she knows that she doesn't know what's to come and that right. she's going to live for right now and do what she can right now mm-hmm. right yeah
3: yeah that was very poignant.
2: Yeah, <laughs> very well said.
0: And with that, and anything else on, um, I mean, that's pretty much. That's
4: pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well done.
0: Thank great. you. <laughs> yeah. um, well, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this. This is always fun to do these. Uh, yeah. We've already kind of started planning another one yeah. coming up eventually soon, but we're not going to get on that just yet. Um, but we do know that we are planning uh, some more individual over-drinkers with the three of you guys and myself to uh, yes. come yes. in here and talk about some fun stuff. So that's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you – dear listener, I'm talking to you now. Um, if you haven't checked out any of our other podcasts, this is your first time coming in. We have a whole slew of them, not just over-drinkers, a bunch of other shows, hot takes hosted by – robbie and jack <laughs> <laughs> and uh Kathy raycast hosted by Burnett gorman who is here with us right now gorman white i'm sorry that
2: is okay i'm still
0: getting used to it um <laughs>
2: i am too <laughs> as well as
0: uh, a bunch of other slew of like uh, fun franchise shows and stuff like that we have a new quentin tarantino retrospective uh podcast yes. that's coming out real soon that's like really exciting and really neat um make sure you go find us over on StoryScreenBeacon.com. tons of articles tons of reviews you can buy a t-shirt we got mugs we got stickers we got pens throw us some money support us have some cool stuff especially if you don't live in like this general area in the Hudson Valley having storyscreen merch like out in like North Carolina or Arizona or something that's going to be pretty cool especially when the world ends in like two years. Mm. Um, You can also find us on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon or on Twitter at story underscore screen. Follow us on all those. Check out our Vimeo story screen beacon. (laughs) Got a lot of really fun trailers and stuff over there. And if you do live in the area, this episode will be coming out in the midst of October, where we are currently doing our beacon horror show. Part four. We're showing uh, 11 horror movies all for free at various locations all throughout Beacon Uh, you can get all of that information at our site again storiescreambeacon.com come join us check out like a really cool horror movie they're all great movies not just good movies great movies and we're really interested in talking to people about movies in general you can always come on the podcast something like that who knows and uh, anyway I'm I'm gonna probably drink another Bloody Mary after this (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. Guy, uh, Bernadette, Ria, Stamper, thank you so much for joining me. Thank and you. Dealing with me getting way drunker. How long stay, Keisha. You live here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. We all, yeah, we we all have to God. drive
3: home after that.
0: <laughs> we'll chill. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much, and uh, peace. Bye. Bye. after on vhs over there Don't, don't without it. <laughs> I, are you after. are you familiar with the 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 things that are like the the trailers and stuff that are before the ever after on vhs i
1: mean to a degree i like as soon as they start it's like, oh,
0: it's yeah. like there's the one where it's just like it's advertising you know like the infomercials mm-hmm. that you would have like after school special kind of commercials where it's like don't do drugs because Oh, it's Jimmy's don't brothers steal. Are an oh, yeah. No, no, it's not steal. It's uh, it's um, Pirating. help the planet and people and be nice.
1: Oh, wait, what? It's just like oh, a yeah. bunch of kids,
0: <laughs> all different ethnicities and genders, just like all hanging out. And it's like at first I thought it was gonna suck, but some of these people are really cool. That guy's really funny. <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> like, "Who me?"
1: And it's <laughs> uh, it's like it's for
0: like, uh, "Are you?" are you into it Dot org or something. And that's like, that's, but you, they never explain really specifically what it is. They're just like, are you into it?
3: It's oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that VHS was a, was a trip. I love watching VHS. I They're know. so cute. And you fall
1: asleep to them and wake up and it's just like the snow um, static.
0: Mm-hmm. And but it's like, like yeah, I can't creaky. stop the I can't stop the VCR without like it just being static coming uh-huh. out of the speakers mm-hmm. when the VCR's not on. And I have like a really great VCR that has like all these like fun different colored lights on it. It's, hey, I love my VCR. <laughs> it's so good.
1: T-shirt that no. needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> I, love I,
4: love I love my, my VCR. VCR.